1: and informative. This is "Sit and Friends" in the morning. 77 WABC. Friends.
2: The yeas are
3: 216. The nays are 210. The office of Speaker of the House of the United States House of Representatives is hereby declared vacant.
4: Chaos is Speaker McCarthy. Chaos is somebody who we cannot trust with their word. I think $33 trillion in debt is chaos. I think that facing a $2.2 trillion annual deficit is chaos. I think that not passing single-subject spending bills is chaos. To paraphrase Lou Gehrig, he said,
5: I might have been given a bad break, but I truly still consider myself to be the luckiest man on the face of the earth. There's no other country... That you could rise to be the 55th speaker, not get an internship, and be able to fight for the American public. So it was my greatest honor to be able to do it.
6: Today was the second day of our trial against Donald Trump and the Trump Organization. The judge first confirmed that Mr. Trump incorrectly interpreted his comments related to the statute of limitations, as we mentioned yesterday. And our case continues.
5: Hey, very corrupt. An incompetent attorney general, Letitia James. This woman is grossly incompetent. She ran on the basis, I will get drunk without knowing anything about you. This case should be dismissed. This is not a case. And she should probably be dismissed also because she's terrible and grossly
7: incompetent.
8: You were nervous. You're a Yankee fan. You love Alex, huh? <laughs> Listen,
4: Alex came here. He won two MVPs. Won a he's
8: calling series. you back right now. I swear to God. Oh, my God. No That's I swear to God. Oh this exactly. is Alex Rodriguez. He's calling back.
7: Oh, my God. Oh, my no, God. No. <laughs> <last two>
8: <laughs> Let's up, on, what's he going to say? Now he's Alex. Now they're buddies. You know. Hey, Alex. How are you, man? Hey. I got to hear about this. Let's take a quick Uh-oh. break and find out why Alex is calling. Traffic. He wants to come back on, Alex? Yeah, why not? No, no. Does he really? Is that why he back? I don't know. Let's see. Oh, no. Oh, right. oh, okay. Oh. So he was calling back to tell
4: Justin to send him the link, and Justin put him on the air. Because I, I, I thought he wanted to befriend me. He thought he, heard, to be friends with thought he you. heard me <laughs> praising him, and he wanted to say, listen.
8: Oh. <laughs> don't laugh. I actually thought that was good. I <laughs> come back and say, hey,
4: a good kid. I I like gonna, yeah. was joking. Hey, why don't you come on down and watch me do the World <laughs> yeah. Series. I to take- <laughs>
7: That's
4: funny, Noam.
8: Was the song that Matt Gates and the Trader 8, which includes my dear friend Nancy Mace, the song that Matt Gates and the Trader 8 sent to Kevin McCarthy last night, the great late Tom Petty, don't come around here no more. For the first time in the history of our country, they voted out. Kevin McCarthy as the speaker, first time ever, no confidence vote. My man, Kevin, he out. He out the house. Eight Republicans, the traitor eight, 208 Democrats decided that Kevin McCarthy is the wrong man for the job. Now, the 208 Democrats, okay, fine, I get it. But the eight Republicans who were talking about, trillions of dollars of deficits, and, well, they are just so full of it because we had deficit issues with a Republican president, too, my hero, the guy I profess my love for every day on this show. I started to cry two days ago when Donald Trump ended up in court with that animal Letitia James. I cried. I cried again yesterday. Nobody loves Donald Trump more than me. Nobody at this point but let's be honest he added to the deficit too this is not about a deficit matt gates doesn't like kevin mccarthy matt gates is a douche bag douche bag and he was able to convince seven other feckless people including my friend nancy mace that ousting mccarthy is the right thing to do when, in fact, it was the dumbest thing they could have done. They created chaos and a Democrat win. This is a Democrat win. Compromising to figure out some type of way to stop the government from shutting down, despite what Hakeem Jeffries said, that wasn't a Democrat win. This is a Democrat win. They should be absolutely embarrassed. I'm so angry with Nancy. You know, I'm in the gym yesterday, and I don't like when people bother me when I'm working out, you know. In fact, I did chest yesterday, and that's my my long workout, my chest workout. And I'm getting message after message, your girl Nancy, fine, my girl, your girl Nancy voted with Gates. Now, look, I don't know why you folks were surprised that was the case. Even Noam said that to me this morning. Just the day before, two days ago, I had my, quote, unquote, my girl Nancy in studio. And she said to all you folks out there, two days ago, I agree with Gates. She said it. So I'm not sure why anybody was surprised she voted that way. I was hoping that she would still not vote that way. But she did. And I'm disappointed. But, hey, she said on this show two days ago that Matt Gates Is not wrong. In fact, here it is, Lou. This is uh, cut number fourteen. Nancy Mace on "Sitting Friends" in the morning, the day before the vote, saying Matt Gates is not wrong. This whole government shutdown, right? First you had mm-hmm. Republicans versus Democrats. Then you had Republicans versus Republicans. Yeah. This guy, Matt Gaetz, is a psycho. You may like him. He's a psycho. He's got to get out. He's killing us. Uh, you know, you got to stop at some point. At some Matt Gaetz is right
6: on this. I have to tell you. Oh, there is no. no. You yes. can't have a government no. shutdown, Nancy. I don't want a government shutdown, but we have a law in the books from 1974, the Budget Impact and Control Act that says Congress is supposed to have a budget. Congress is supposed to have 12 spending bills. Every year, put out by October 1st, but Congress doesn't follow the law. So how can we ask our fellow Americans to follow the law when Congress will not follow its own laws? I just want us to follow the law. That's what he wants. This should have been done before October. It wasn't, but this is what Congress always does. No matter who's in charge, they have one giant spending bill, no vetting, no amendments, and uh, you know, and you have no time to read it. If you had 12 spending bills, it's vetted through committee. You have amendments. You have time to read it and absorb it and make that vote. But that's not what Congress says. So four people, when you do it via CR, the four most powerful people get all the say. The people don't have the power. And that's the problem with it, no matter who's in charge.
8: That's fine. So you're right. That is the problem to change the rules. Mike right? Kevin McCarthy said that yesterday. If that's a problem, Nancy Mace, change the rules. But you don't oust the Republican speaker, embarrass him and the party, because the truth is Matt Gates has a personal vendetta against McCarthy for whatever reason. Maybe he thinks he he's a rhino. Maybe he's mad because when Gates was in trouble for all those uh, underage girl accusations, McCarthy didn't stand up for him. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm a really smart guy. I'm smarter than most of you. Not because I know stuff. To be honest, what Nancy Mace just said, I have no idea what she's talking about. No idea, nor do I care. That is in the weeds, political stuff. That's not what I do. That's what Sean Hannity does. That's what Rush did. That's not what I do. I bring on smart people to tell me about politics because, to be honest, I'm watching the Phillies and the Marlins, or I'm watching The Voice. Or I'm playing basketball with Gabriel. So I'm I'm aware of the periphery. I know what's going on. I'm a smart guy. But that stuff is way too weedsy for me. But here's what I know, because I am smart. This whole thing is not about deficits. It's not about politics. It's a personal vendetta. That's it. That's it. And you other seven people that sided with Gates, including my friend Nancy, and I love Nancy, should be embarrassed. Former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, and I love Newt. He's been on the show a million times, was on Hannity last night. Thank you, Sean. Courtesy of Fox News, and nobody all day and all night said it better than Newt Gingrich. This, Lewis, is cut number 11. Take a listen to this when he makes a great sports analogy, found a way to include college football, which I loved, right up my alley but the way he explains it, it's very simple. Gates is a dick. Newt Gingrich, cut number 11.
2: Well, first, I think it's a very sad day because I think Kevin McCarthy is one of the most talented leaders I've ever worked with. I think that he accomplished an amazing amount for having a small majority and being having to take on both the Senate and the White House. And I think this is really a tragic outcome. Uh, this was a leader who both gained seats in 2020, gained seats in 2022, increased the number of women members, increased the number of veterans, increased the number of minority members, uh, and he had a vision for a better future. And let's be clear here, Sean. Uh, You know, if, if the University of Georgia Bulldogs, who are the number one team in the country right now, if you started a game and four of the members of the offensive squad decided they were actually on the Alabama side, and began tackling your own people, you probably get them off the field. Well, think about what we saw today. Four percent, four percent decided they were so morally superior, so intellectually pure, so patriotically better, that they would side with the Democrats, and that's what they did, in order to defeat the entire Republican House caucus. Ninety-six percent of the Republicans voted for McCarthy. 4% voted against him. From my position as a longtime Republican activist, they're traitors. All eight of them should, in fact, be primaried. They should all be driven out of public life. What they did was to go to the other team to cause total chaos.
8: He's right, and Nancy, again, is a very close personal friend, and I'm sick to my stomach. She's one of the eight. She is probably going to join me coming up at 8.10 this morning and make a very smart and intellectual Argument why she did it, but I don't like the fact she's one of the eight because I agree with Newt. You got Georgia playing Alabama and Matt and Nancy. Let me give you the eight names of all these people Matt Gates out of Florida, Nancy Mace, of course, out of South Carolina, Andy Biggs out of Arizona, Ken Buck out of Colorado, Tim Burchett out of Tennessee, Eli Crane out of Arizona, Bob Good out of Virginia, and Matt Rosendale, that's psycho, out of Montana, they basically, in the middle of the game, walked across the field to Newt Gingrich's point and started playing for Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide. So McCarthy handled this with about as much class as he possibly can. I loved, you know, you have Newt Gingrich bringing up Georgia versus Alabama. Kevin McCarthy brings up Lou Gehrig. I love when they involve sports in all this. So here's McCartney yesterday comparing himself to Lou Gehrig, the former Yankee great Lewis cut
5: number seven. To paraphrase Lou Gehrig, he said, I might have been given a bad break, but I truly still consider myself to be the luckiest man on the face of the earth. There's no other country that you could rise to be the 55th speaker, not get an internship, and be able to fight for the American public. So it was my greatest honor to be able to do it.
8: He then went on to uh, pull a Frank Sinatra, basically said, no regrets, I did it my
5: way. Kevin McCarthy, cut number eight. Doing the right thing isn't always easy, but it is necessary. I don't regret standing up for choosing government. Over grievance, It is my responsibility. It is my job. I do not regret negotiating. Our government is designed to find compromise. I don't regret my efforts to build coalitions and find solutions. I was raised to solve problems, not create them. So I may have lost a vote today, but as I walk out of this chamber, I feel fortunate to have served the American people. I leave the speakership with a sense of pride, accomplishment, and, yes, optimism. Goes on to talk about a Democrat
8: politician. It's basically a victory for them and the traitor. eight. Tim, McCa- Tim McCarthy,
5: Kevin McCarthy, Lewis, cut number 10. The Democrats who said they wanted to keep government open, I think you've got a real divide. I think you've got a real institutional problem. I think today was a political decision by the Democrats, and I think... That I think the things they have done in the past hurt the institution. When They just started removing people from committee. And they just started doing the other things. and I, My fear is the institution fell today.
8: And finally, uh, don't look for Kevin McCarthy to run again. I think he's been embarrassed enough. One and done, as Roberto Duran once said. No mas. Kevin McCarthy Lewis, cut number nine.
5: I believe I can continue to fight, maybe in a different manner. I will not run for speaker again. He done.
8: Run for speaker again. I guess I'll play Nicole because I like her, Nicole Maliotakis. She was on with Katz yesterday, Katz and Cosby. And uh, much like Newt Gingrich just talked about how a very minute percentage, 4%, 4%! spoke for the other 96 percent in ousting mccarthy doesn't seem right here's nicole maliotakis on cats and cosby talking about the ousting of kevin mccarthy cut number 13
6: think about this and john you own a business right so would you allow your board if 97 percent of the board wanted you to be the ceo and only three percent wanted to oust you would they have the power to do so that is what happened here this three this small percent just decided to side with the socialist squad and the Democrats to undermine our speaker, to undermine the entire Republican conference. They need to understand that we are only one-third of the federal government, right? The Senate is controlled by Democrats. The White House is controlled by Democrats. They can't expect us to get every single thing. We've done a damn good job getting some really good wins for the American people.
8: Don't bother sending me stuff on Instagram and Facebook. Sorry, Sid, I disagree. Gates did the right thing. You're a psycho. That's it. I don't care if you love me, love the show, you're a psycho. You are the people that are too extreme for me, way too extreme for me. He had to make a deal. It wasn't a great deal. We know that, okay? Now you got 45 days to get the border in and all the things we wanted before. But at least the government is not shut down. He got the job done. Don't tell me he did nothing in nine months. You just heard what Newt Gingrich said, more women People like Nancy Mace got more chairs in 2020 than in 2022. Don't tell me you got nothing done in the last nine months. This is the type of extreme politics I can't stand. So don't bother texting me, Instagramming me. If you agree with Matt Gates, you're a traitor. You're not an America loving, I don't want to hear it. I think what happened yesterday, to Newt Gingrich's point, and Nicole, 4% making that decision is grotesque. So Rita Cosby, <laughs> Troy Neal's on last night. What's uh Troy's out of, um well, I forget. Is it Arizona? No, do you remember exactly what Troy is out of? I don't. She says it, I think, actually. Because now we've got a short list of people. That may replace McCarthy. Do we know how quickly uh, that's going to happen, or something has? I know Frank Morano told me something about next Tuesday. Do you have any idea? Uh, yeah, he's what, right. what is that? What is that? So
0: what they've done is this uh, interim House Speaker Patrick McHenry has uh, essentially uh, told Congress to come back next week on the 10th, yeah. and they'll lay out all the candidates who want to be House Speaker, and they'll get a moment to speak, I guess, and then on the 11th they'll take the vote.
8: Who are some of the names they're talking about?
0: Well, we don't know of these people who will actually run, but these are the names that have been thrown well, out.
8: Well, I remember anyway. last year when they were talking about ousting, and they're like, well, well, we'll do Chip Roy. And Chip was like, nah. Well, we'll do Steve Scalise. And Steve was like, nah. Yeah. So they're throwing names out there. But a lot of these guys on record in the past saying, no, now McCarthy was still in charge. Maybe now it's a different story. But I have a feeling some of the names you're about to tell me were bandied about six months ago. They were.
0: Yeah, I mean, so you have Steve Scalise. That's who Matt Gates wants. Steve Scalise is the name he's around. He's the congressman from Louisiana. He's
8: a huge Sid Rosenberg fan. Oh, huge! Is he? Oh, he's on the show all the time. He loves me. So maybe we want him. Maybe he's the guy we should be rooting for. In fact, I'm about to lose a bet to him because we made a bet back in the preseason that my Giants would have a better record than his
0: Saints, and my Giants may be the worst team in football. <laughs> yeah. I think you're going to be on the losing end of that. Yeah, right? I think so, too. <laughs> um, Tom Emmer, he's the House Republican whip. His name has been thrown around, but he was the one who was in charge of the Republicans campaign arm in 2022. And the Republicans didn't do that well. That's why they're in this boat right now. Right. If they had had one more seats in the midterms. Uh, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy would stout, still probably likely be House Speaker yeah, today. Yeah. Uh, his name's out there. Uh, Jim Jordan, who's on the show all the he's time. He's not doing that. Odd. House, uh, he's the chair right now of the House Judiciary Committee. Um, Byron Donalds. Uh, Florida. he's this, uh, hardline representative who's kind of an up and coming star. Some people like
8: him. He's a black guy from Florida who's a Republican.
0: People love that stuff. Yeah. We've been over this already. Um, <laughs> Patrick McHenry, who's the interim. Uh, he might not have a shot because he was the one that was picked by House Speaker McCarthy to be the guy who, if he had to leave office, would take his place. And that's why he's the interim House Speaker. And, uh, the, the biggest name, Donald Trump. Well, let you... me get to this, Troy Niels
8: thing. Thank you for yeah, that, sure. because that is exactly, exactly what Troy told Rita Cosby on her fine program, which is on uh, at night sometime. Well, what time is uh, Rita on it?
0: I think it's 10 o'clock.
8: There you go. So here's Troy Niels with Rita Cosby last night mentioning what you just said, Noam. Donald Trump, cut number 15.
6: Congressman, your tweet is creating a firestorm. It says Kevin McCarthy will not be running again as Speaker. I nominate Donald J. Trump for Speaker of the House. Tell us why you did this.
9: Well, Rita, thank
10: you for having me. Well, the reason I've nominated Donald J. Trump for Speaker of the House is there's no rule. There's no law. There's nothing that says that the Speaker of the House must be a member of the House of Representatives. So it can be anybody. So I, I said to myself, who better? Who better than Donald J. Trump? You know, when he was the leader of our party, he was the president of the United States. He looked at all the wonderful things he did for our country. And I'm thinking this is the guy that could come in and and repair the brokenness and the House of Representatives bring us together, uh, and and make America and make Congress great again.
8: I think my friend Lynn Hort said it best. She sent in a message. He says Matt Gates is a self-serving, grandstanding, oily douchebag, Frankenstein-looking mother effer. She actually wrote the word out. And I uh, love the show. I think she nailed it right there. Nicely done. So my way, McCarthy. I don't even love Kevin McCarthy. I just and hate what happened now, yesterday. I don't love him, fine, but I hate what happened yesterday.
7: And so I
8: big big show coming up today, folks. We'll talk a lot about this. Own Obviously, own my own man own. Trump in court for a second straight my day. Friend, Curtis Sleeva, he's going to join here. us at seven oh five. Peter King. Day. Usually on 8.40 Wednesdays. He's on 7.40 this morning. He moved back an hour early because my good buddy Steve Sharipa, a.k.a. Bobby Bacala from The Sopranos, he's coming on at 8.40. They're back on the road. Him, Michael Imperioli, Vinny Curitola, the whole crew. We'll talk to Sharippa coming up at 8.40. Nancy Mace may stop by at 8.10. New York Post columnist Michael Goodwin, he'll be here at 9.10. And the head of the DEA, not the drugs, the Detective Endowment Agency, my friend Paul Giacomo. we got a big event tonight at Russo's on the Bay. Paul will be here coming up at 930. The number is always 1-800-848-WABC. That's one 800 848 And if you missed it, it was so good yesterday. We're going to replay it again today. Former Yankee great Alex Rodriguez. That's coming up. At 6.45, the hump day edition of Sitting Friends in the Morning, exclusively right here on Talk Radio 77, W-A-B-C.
7: And more, much more than this, I did it my way. Yes, there were times I'm sure you knew it off more than I could choose but through it all when there
1: Radio 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning.
7: Friends, how many of us have been friends? 77
1: WABC.
8: This is a great song, Melissa Etheridge. I'm the only one, 6.35, Wednesday morning. We've got an interesting day ahead of me. We got um, we got a beautiful day, so at some point I'll be sitting on my deck, which I love to do. Sit out there, and Gabby's at school. He was in Europe, and Danielle's working, so I just kind of lay out there myself and get lost in my thoughts, laying in uh, little brief shorts. On my roof, getting some sun, I got my June tan back. Not July or August, but June tan back. And then I've got a great event tonight. Once I mentioned uh, Paul DiGiacomo, he is the head of the DEA, not the Drug Enforcement Agency, the Detectives Endowment Agency. And they got a huge event right by my house, thank God. These events in the city kill me, you know. But this one is at Russo's on the Bay, my boy Frankie Russo in Howard Beach. And they invited me and Danielle, which was really nice. Thank you, Paul. Paul will join me, I think, at 930. And I don't even know what my role is. I didn't even have a role. I don't know. But the detectives and the cops, they love me and I love them. But before that, we've got a meeting at 1030 this morning. And without telling you any details or getting specific, I can promise you, When the meeting is over, if they don't already think so, everyone in that meeting is going to think I'm an asshole and I don't care because I'm tired. I'm tired of saying the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. I'm tired of it. So it ain't going to go well, I can tell you that. That ain't gonna go well. Well, maybe it will. No, it's not. Somebody going in angry because you've had the same discussions over and over again. Over and again the same discussions. Nothing should be decided on this show ever, especially content by anybody but me. You want to meet and talk about it? Great. If I agree to do it, great. But nobody, not the program director, not not anybody should ever, 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 and I don't care what the money is, ever put content on this show. No decent radio host, let alone a number one guy, would ever allow that to happen. you worked with Don for 30 years. Would that ever happen? Ever. Not in the 30 years I was there. Right, right. <laughs> well, I want the same respect. I want the same respect. I've earned it. I've earned it. So Minnie's going to hate me today. I don't care. I don't care. That's as far as I'll go. That's all? That's it.
9: Okay.
1: What about another couple of uh, centimeters now? Oh, I
8: don't know. Don't worry about it. All right. I'll stop yeah. pushing you. That's what you're doing right now.
9: <laughs> it doesn't take much. You know much. I'm already all fired up, so. <laughs> should I be, a, should yeah. I be aroused? Should that have aroused me? Well, you got to
7: cut
8: that stuff out. <laughs> yeah. Like, a,
7: uh, <laughs> yeah. I
8: feel like I'm in a sauna. You know, my, uh, my beautiful wife, Danielle, just sent me a text message. She's exactly right. She goes, why is the judge on Trump's current case, and my wife, Danielle, is a, a great attorney, great. Why is the judge on Trump's current case smiling on the bench so weird. She's right about that. Did you see the judge yesterday? Strange. This prick, Arthur ergaron That's his name. He's a Democrat owner. He hates my friend Trump. And he was sitting there smiling, having
4: a great old grand old time. The other idiot's sitting like four rows behind Trump. She, oh, scared, James, she yeah. stared at him the yeah, whole entire I know.
8: Time. I know. She's just staring at him.
4: Pete Morgan checks
8: in, who's a uh, very, very big client here, and says, exactly right. So they should not do that without your approval. Thank you, Pete. Okay, Pete. We'll see it. See you yeah. at the meeting. <laughs> yeah, Pete, be here at ten thirty. I'll be calling in from Greece. <laughs> <laughs> He's home now. Stop it.
4: What are
8: their he went to Greece for like seven days. You guys are like, he, like he moved to Athens. Oh, because he goes
4: from Nantucket to Greece. Oh, come on, I he works very hard. Well, of course He's, he does. He's you know, service. he goes. So he
8: goes to Tokyo sometimes. He goes. He goes to Chicago. Of course. He, he works his ass off, people. I'm sure he, he does. Sure. it yeah. sounded like he was stuck in the airport for longer than he was in. <laughs> yeah. Well, he did. He got stuck <laughs> trying to come back. All right, it is Wednesday. We're going to play A-Rod again. If you missed it yesterday, it was a great conversation. Before we get to the rest of the live guest list today, Curtis Sliwa, Peter King, Steve Sharippa, Michael Goodwin, Paul DiGiacomo, maybe Nancy Mace. But it's time now for the Tunnel to Towers update. Here's another example of how Tunnel to Towers helps families navigate through tough times on tuesday october the 10th my friend frank seller and his team will be on the links at Liberty National Golf Club for the Foundation Celebrity Golf Classic. Their list of guests is growing every day and includes famous television personalities, actors, U.S. Navy SEALs and athletes, players from the New York Yankees, the New York Mets, and the New York Rangers. Plus, some of the 77 WABC crew will be there too. The Celebrity Golf Classic is just one of hundreds of events the Tunnel to Towers Foundation hosts and supports nationwide they've got a series of 5k walks and runs tower climbs golf outings and pickleball tournaments all to support the work t2t does for our nation's heroes and their families today tunnels to towers has delivered over 1,000 000 mortgage-free homes to catastrophically injured veterans and first responders gold star families and fallen first responder families Visit T2T.org to find an event near you and to join the foundation on its mission to do good and never forget. I'll see you on the links on Tuesday. All right. Thank you very much, folks. And, again, never forget, we're only a couple of weeks removed from the 22-year commemoration, the worst day in the history, the most tragic day in the history of our country. And I can't say enough about Frank Siller and what he does for all these folks. You know, I actually watched on Friday night, Frank would be proud of me, I guess uh, Channel 5, Rosanna Scotto and Bianca Peters did a hip hour special show live from the Tunnel to Towers 5K Run-Walk. I don't know if you guys know that. And I watched it, and it was wonderful. All the folks out there, and even the guy from Yellowstone, you know the guy that plays Beth's husband, really good-looking, strapping guy? Yeah, yeah Rip now. Wheeler, yes. Yeah, exactly right. Very He's good, my Justin. favorite character. They interviewed him. He was there live at the race. I think his name is Cole Hauser.
4: Exactly right. They oh.
8: had uh, my friend Briella Tomasetti there. I love her. He's a patriot. Yes, oh, he wow. is. A big-time patriot. So thank you to, uh, to Channel 5 and Frank Siller and all the folks who continue to never forget. Join the Tunnel to Towers Foundation on its mission to do good in honor of America's heroes. Donate just $11 a month at t2t.org. That's t 2 t. Org. This is Sid on Sports. Oh my goodness.
1: Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC.
4: Justin Ellick here with their bottom of the hour sports update. Sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, com to find a dealer near you. They are the world's best built boilers. We uh, begin and we'll stay on the diamond. That's all the action we had to get to yesterday. The MLB playoffs officially getting underway with the wild card rounds beginning First off, we had the Texas Rangers blanking the Rays in Tampa Bay by a score of four to nothing. Before the Minnesota Twins protected their home field with a three to one win over the Toronto Blue Jays. In the nightcap, the Arizona Diamondbacks opened things up with a six to three win in Milwaukee over the Brewers. And cap in the action off was the Phillies beating the Marlins at home by a score of four to one. Respective game two times for this afternoon and tonight are as follows. The Rangers up a game on the Rays. Game two for them will be at 3 p.m. If Texas wins, they'll meet the Baltimore Orioles in the ALDS. Blue Jays are in uh, Minnesota at the Twins for game two. The Twins up a game there. That game two is set for 4.30 p.m. this afternoon. If Minnesota wins, they'll meet the Houston Astros in the ALDS. And then tonight, the Diamondbacks are at the Brewers for their game two there. D-backs up a game. Uh, game two, 7 p.m. first pitch tonight. If Arizona wins, they meet the LA Dodgers in the NLDS. And, uh, if the, if Philadelphia wins tonight, Marlins at Phillies game two, 8 p.m. there. And if Philly wins, they'll meet the Atlanta Braves in the NLDS. Sports sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Spoilers. Go to PeerlessSpoilers.com, PavilionTechless.com to find a deal near you. They're the world's best-built boilers. I'm Justin Olik on 77 WABC.
5: Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code POD.
0: Date now on Bumble.
1: Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC.
8: You think uh, A-Rod used uh, this Prince song for his walk-up music? He used different Prince songs. Different Prince songs? I don't know. I'll I'll ask him now. It's funny because you talk about Prince. Prince, of course, was from Minneapolis. And you know where Alex Rodriguez is right now? He's in Minnesota because the Blue Jays and Twins start that playoff series today. So we'll find out. 696 home runs later in my lifetime. And if God is good to me, I'll be 57 in April. Alex Rodriguez is the best shortstop I've ever seen. He's a great player. I mean, offensively, defensively, he's just the best. And I got to know Alex over the years a bit down in Miami, but now he's Joe Taco Pena's buddy. They go to hurricane games together. So Taco Pena told me I had to do this. Actually helped set this up. But after three great Hispanic guests, my former producer down at WQAM in Miami, Victor Bermudez, he's now won four Emmy Awards, Geraldo Rivera, and the New York Police Commissioner, first Latino man ever, Eddie Caban. We go to the man himself, former Yankee great Alex Rodriguez. Hey, Rod, it's Sid in New York. How are you, buddy?
10: Sid, I'm doing great, and great to be on your show. Enjoyed uh, your little... Joe Takapina uh, <laughs> when he was on a couple of weeks. Oh,
8: fun together! He is, you know, he got me to Trump too, so he's got me some decent people. So. <laughs> but I tell you, <laughs> he's got great contact. Right he here. does, yeah. So the last time you're gonna love this, the last time you were on the radio with me, you got to go back like 14 years, Alex. And I'm doing a sports show. Now I do politics, but I'm doing a sports show down in Miami at some car dealer on 441. And you're on the air with me. You, you know, you're doing your thing. You're great. And um I bring on Mike Francesa in the middle of the interview to talk with you, you know. But I'm doing the show with a guy who played for the Dolphins, and his name is O.J. McDuffie. And while we're talking, all of a sudden Francesa and O.J. get into this huge fight on the air because OJ's like, Mike, you never played any sports. You shouldn't talk about it. You and I are sitting there speechless, didn't say a word. You handled it great. you remember that, the Francesa McDuffie fight on the air with you and I?
10: I do, and I remember listening to you and O.J. You guys had a great show. But, yeah, Mike is uh, one of the greatest of all time. You know that in New York, a legend in sports radio with Chris Russo. And I've become very friendly with Mike over the years and a big admirer. So that was a kind of a unique situation where you and I were kind of, <laughs> of referee and I'm on the sidelines.
8: <laughs> but, you know, O.J., well, because you're down in Miami. And Mike is a good friend of mine. Yeah. As his dog. Dog was on the show just a couple of days yeah. ago. And they're both great baseball ambassadors, Alex. And Dog is a Giants fan, but Mike is a Yankee fan. And uh, I haven't listened to Mike. He's on a podcast now, not radio. But something tells me, Alex, if I was listening to Mike, he would say what Chris Russo said on the show a couple days ago, which is, I love Brian Cashman. I love him. And he had a great run with the Yankees. 25 years is too long. No World Series since, Alex, 2009, too long. And if he goes, Boone has to go too. Every New York sports guy I speak to, including the two legends you just spoke to, thought the Yankees should fire both Cashman and Bono. I know you love those guys, whatever, but you yeah. played with the Yankees. But if you're going to be honest about it, it's kind of a long stay with very little success as of late, no?
10: Yeah, you know, if, uh, look, if you want to put Brian Cashman in the Hall of Fame, you know, go go for it. But 25 years is a long time. I, my concern, said with anything, as I talk to New York fan base all over the world, is I think they're beginning to lose – <clears throat> faith in the organization, and, and you never want a fan base to do that because you rip their heart out. Um, but but I, I think when you look at – I think it's less about the players. <clears throat> excuse me, said – less about the players and Aaron Boone. I think the architecture of this team is, is flawed. And it's not that they just make mistakes, but it's by how far they're making this mistake and how badly they're missing. It's almost like they're playing darts in a dark room. Um, the, the best case I can say to to prove that is, you know, three, four years ago, Aaron, uh, Aaron Judge was dying for an extension. They say no to Judge, and they, they give the extension to the other Aaron, Aaron Hicks, for seven years. <laughs> they walk out, and they release him after five years, and it cost the Yankees an extra $200 million to sign Judge and, and many, many other misses with Donaldson. And, uh, yeah, it's just uh, it'll be really interesting to see how you fix it, but I don't see a quick fix in the next three years.
8: That is excellent analysis, and I love the Judge Hicks stuff, Alex. You're exactly right. So let me take you back to uh, 2004, I guess. So I'm at the fan, and, and I'm doing the sports on I, Miss Alex, but I'm doing the midday show. And I'm on right before Mike and the Mad Dog. I was there for five years. I had two separate partners. One was Joe Berningo, I know you know Joe. But when I was on that day in 2004, my partner was uh, Jody McDonald, maybe 2003, I forget. And that was the day that the Yankees announced you were coming to New York. And I'm watching it on TV, I'm watching Tory. I'm watching Jeter, all these people. And we remarked the whole time about Alex coming to the Yanks. Some guys looked happy, some to be honest, Alex, ah, I wasn't so sure. And then, of course, over the years, you and Jeter had this on and off relationship. But Jeter comes to Fox and is doing baseball, and in fact, will be doing baseball, I believe, this postseason with you and David Ortiz. So, Teachers and Herb once sang Alex reunited and it feels so good is that you and Jito right now
10: well I'm very excited and I got to tell you management came to me and asked me about the possibility of talking to Derek and uh, I stood up very quickly and said absolutely it would be great to be reunited again I mean it is is almost 20 years it's scary wow on the 20 year anniversary when I came to be his teammate uh, and moved over to third, and what's ironic is now he's coming to our team, and he's got the third corner spot in the corner <laughs> next to Poppy, but I think it's going to be great t v uh look to to be next to those two guys that collectively have eight ranks between them, uh, arguably the most popular Yankee of all time, and Derek G they're arguably the most uh popular red Sox of all time, and then you have me that <laughs> some like me, some don't like me, and uh but it makes you know for good television, and Kevin Burkhardt, who I think is the greatest point he's guard. right. Yep. He does great work at football, and now he's the host of our show. So it's going to be really exciting to to have Derek on. I'm I'm thrilled.
8: Yeah, when I was at the fan, Kevin, we're still doing the Mets stuff with, I think, Gary Cohen and Keith Hernandez and all those guys. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, he's a monster star now. And, you know, you're being a little humble about yourself there, Alex. I mean, you know, certainly you had an unbelievable career. I think it should be in the Hall of Fame. I think it's a joke. I'm a little tired of all, this stuff, all that stuff. I don't care. Had enough of it. It came up again for some reason a couple of weeks ago with you. But um, uh, if, if I was to shoot you up with truth serum right now, because one thing you do very well, Alex, I give you credit, you're a wonderful speaker. You are. You're great on TV. You know baseball as well as anybody. You could manage a team tomorrow, I'm surprised you haven't already. So if I shot you up with truth serum right now and said, hey, Alex, be honest. Are you pissed about the way baseball has treated you, the way fans and writers talk about you with the career that you had? I know you would say yes.
10: No. Well, it's funny, said I'm I'm actually going to start working on my documentary, and I'll have an opportunity in that forum to speak uh, openly. But, look, at the end of the day, said look, I had an incredible career. I'm a kid that came from uh, two immigrant parents, uh, you know, born in New York, raised in Miami. I came up from nothing. Dad left at the age of 10. Along the way, I made some mistakes. I paid dearly for them, uh, and then took full accountability. And, uh, you know, I've been able to stand up from taking a, a knockout punch where – I think most people would have probably stayed down, and especially yep. with the resources that I've had in my career. So more than anything, look, America is about comebacks. Uh, I, I faced the mirror uh, and uh, paid the penalty, and thank God the last 10 years have, have been the best 10 years of my life. And if I've cost myself the Hall of Fame, I have no one to blame but myself, Said, But hopefully I can be a, a force of good for the next generation, and hopefully some of the youngsters can avoid some of the mistakes that I've made.
8: God, that is a great message from you, Alex, on this Hispanic Heritage. I want to get to your life too after baseball because it's really impressive. But you are in Minnesota today. We have four playoff series that get underway. The Rangers are in Tampa Bay, Toronto and Minnesota. That's your game with my friend Michael Kay. Then you get Arizona in Milwaukee and the Marlins. No Derek Jeter to the playoffs this year in Philly for the Phillies. We know, of course, uh, the Astros and the Orioles get the buy in the American League and the Braves and Dodgers in the NL. And a lot of folks I speak to, Alex, are still picking chalk. They can't see anybody beating Atlanta, especially with Acuna being around for this postseason. So as you get set to call the Jays and Twins today, do you have a team that you think may surprise some people? Maybe that Minnesota Twins team.
10: Yeah, let let me give you a couple of data points that are super important. Since the division series started 54 years ago, only 14 teams with the best record have gone on to win the World Series. So the Atlanta Braves, while they're Goliath, is not a guarantee. Actually, 80% says they won't repeat again. That doesn't mean I I won't bet against Atlanta, but those are the numbers, and do with them as you may. As far as the Marlins being in, I don't think as much heat, and it was a bad trade for Cashman that Cashman got with Stanton because they already had a guy that looked just like him and Aaron judge that was the rookie of the year was a form, you know, future MVP. And they duplicated that as much heat as Brian Cashman has gone. Derek Jeter has not gotten enough credit for unloading that talent and that contract to the Yankees. And then being in the postseason this year, Derek Jeter deserves a lot of credit because he was the architect of a team with very limited resources, the opposite of the New York Yankees. So, you can never bet against Houston. You can never bet against the Braves. But if I had to uh, pick one, I would say don't sleep on the Baltimore Orioles. They have the second-best record in Major League Baseball, the second. And yet they're still looked upon like the Orioles from five years ago.
8: It's true. You're right about that. Because people just don't realize who they are. A lot of Even the right. staunchest of baseball fans can tell you four guys on the team, and those guys are great, and they do everything well, everything well. You know, one more on baseball, then we'll get to your life after baseball. The Mets uh, really got rid of. They fired Buck Showalter. I know he was done, but they fired him. So years ago, Alex, when Steve Phillips and the Mets were flirting with you, I remember being on the fan and saying, give him what he wants. He wants airplanes. He wants, he wants Staten Island. Give it to him. I don't care. Get Alex Rodriguez to the Mets. I'm a Mets fan. I'm not a Yankee fan. And it didn't happen. And uh, I was really upset about it because I thought you could be that guy to turn the Met organization around. I don't know what your relationship has been with the Mets since that Phillips era when he flirted with you. But I got to tell you, I was, I was surprised that they got rid of Buck. I know Stearns comes in, he's the new guy, and Cohen wants to give his new baseball man the opportunity to bring in who he wants. But I thought Buck Showalter deserved better than that. What about you?
10: First of all, I love Buck Show, Walter. I think he's one of the greatest minds uh, alive in the game of baseball today. Again, much like Aaron Boone, a lot of these things that have nothing to do with X's and O's, it has to do with the architecture of the team, and it always starts at the very top. So I think a little bit uh, of unfortunate situation for Buck. Uh, I think he can be a great advisor for, for an owner anywhere, um, and he's going to be an asset into any room he walks into. Uh, I don't think we can really uh, judge Uh, no pun intended, Aaron uh, Aaron Boone, uh, until he has uh, a team that's, you know, predictable, uh, a lineup that he can throw. I said, I'm so sick of all these different lineups. It's just crazy. I remember when Joe Torre walked into his room and he said, all right, big boy, uh, spring training, I'm going to give you all the flexibility you want. You get whatever you want in spring training. During the season, I get what I want. You're going to be hitting fourth and playing every day at third base. <clears throat> and, and that gave me a comfort level that's yep. really important. This idea yep. that you can hit clean up one day, first, the other, second. It, it, this is not like Nintendo, right? You've got to <laughs> have humans that, you know, you go to the same show. I know when you do your show, you, you have your own little superstitions. Baseball players are the same way. So I think that's something we got to get back to a little bit.
8: This is Hispanic Heritage Day. We're celebrating it here, uh, Alex, and I spoke to Gerardo Rivera and the first Latino police commissioner, and all this baseball talk is great, but – You said you may have enjoyed the last 10 years more than any other decade in your life. You're in Minnesota today for the Blue Jays and Twins. Most people may not know this about you. You actually own a part of the NBA team in that state. You are part owner of the Minnesota Timberwolves. So I said to Takapino last week, I said, you know, A-Rod is, he's always been smart and handsome and all these things, you know. I said, but his life after baseball, I said, A-Rod to me is a Latino version of Magic Johnson. Magic has the movie theater, Starbucks. He is a mogul since he left the Lakers. A-Rod is a Latino version of Magic Johnson. Tax said, you know, you're right. So for what it's worth, you're right. You've done your most impressive work, A-Rod, since baseball.
10: You know, Sid, thank you very much. And it's funny you mentioned Magic, who's a great friend and a mentor, and a role model of mine. I sat with him about 25 years ago, supposed to be a 20 minute meeting. We sat for three hours. I had nine pages of notes and he gave me basically the roadmap to what it is to create what was magic Johnson Enterprise as today, a multi-billion dollar empire. Wow! And I thought, fo- I followed those rules right to the T and uh, to this day, he still consults with me a lot. And uh, it's been very, very exciting uh, to be involved in business, to be, Uh, a role model. I I probably mentor, you know, over 30 or 40 professional active athletes in every sport today. And athletes today said are smarter than ever, they're richer than ever, but they don't want to be just ball players. They want to be great at social media, fashion, media, entertainment, podcasting. Uh, The plethora of of options that these players have today is, is better than none. What they do need is a surrounding people. I always say you're an average of five people you surround yourself with. And, and really be around good people and practice good, uh, business practice if they want to be involved.
8: I was just about to ask you, we'll wrap the conversation up here. Like, you know, you, uh, Hall of Fame baseball player, you know, uh, the JLo's you know, of course, you were, so you're on every magazine show every day, you know, now you own just about all these things all over the country. But when you were talking just now and you talked about mentoring young people and five people in your life that could help you, I said to myself, I'm not sure if, Alex does motivational speaking, but you can, you can certainly do that. You're like Tony Robbins. I said, so what is it that Alex hasn't done, that he hasn't done, that's on his bucket list to do sometime in the near future?
11: Well,
10: look, I mean, it is Hispanic uh, Heritage Month, Sid. And, and, you know, for me, you know, one of the things that I look forward to, I mean, the, the U.S. economy, we, we, the Latinos, represent over a trillion dollars uh of spending in the U.S. economy, um, but there's still a lot of work to do. When you look at the Fortune 500 companies, there's only 20 CEOs. Well, 20 sounds like a big number, is not you know, cohesive with the amount of Latinos there is. It's like a rocket ship as far as the growth, uh, the influence, and we have to close the gap between boardrooms and the labor force. And hopefully, I can be an advocate for the great Hispanic people all over. And it's not just enough that I'm in the boardroom, but I have to keep those, that door open for other men and women and everybody to come in and participate and learn and, and cultivate. And, and that's what I'm excited about. The second part is the most important role in my life is being a father. I have an 18-year-old daughter that I just dropped off at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor last month. Uh, she's doing fantastic. I'm a, I'm a depressed mess (laughs) (laughs) at dinner every night Um, and I have a sophomore that's at Gulliver high school in uh, Miami. And, uh, again, we talk about all the issues in this country. I'm a big believer that it starts at home. It starts at the breakfast table, at the dinner table, putting the phones away, having an old school conversation, making eye contact. And, and that's where if America focuses on home first, I think we'll be a much better country as well.
8: My sister went to Michigan when Glenn Rice and the Wolverines beat Seton Hall to win the NCAA Basketball Championship. I was there for that. Glenn Rice is still a dear friend of mine today. And Glenn, of course, is a Miami guy like you, Alex, and played all those great years for the Miami Heat down there. So I get all that. My daughter's in college in Europe, too, so I get all that. And I know Gulliver very well, living in Boca Raton for 16 years and doing a ton of shows in Fort Lauderdale and Miami. So on the way out, just tell me this. What was your childhood like where did you grow up, the whole family experience? Because somewhere right now there's a young Latino child going, hey, I want to be Alex, and I'm in this situation, which could be good or bad. What was it like for Alex Rodriguez as a kid?
10: Well, Sid, I remember growing up, uh, born in New York, raised in Miami. My, my father left when I was 10. I'll never forget um, my mother having to take on two jobs uh, with my two older siblings, and my mom was a secretary in the morning. She served table that night right there in Latin America on 107 in Coral Way, <laughs> uh, right by uh Pan, Miami, where yep. I played a little bit of, uh, you know, Little League Baseball. And I remember going into a supermarket and seeing uh, some cash when we had to pay out, and it wasn't green money. It was a funny color. And I knew that was different. And it was food stamps. And that was a day, said when I was about 12 years old that wow. I said, oh, my gosh. I better get going. I got to take care of Mama. And uh, I made a promise to myself that if I ever made enough money, uh, she'll never work a day in her life. That was my job and my mission in life. And thank goodness uh, the Mariners came calling when I was 17. I was in the big leagues at 18, and she's 87 today, doing better than ever, and has never worked a day in her life after I – signed that contract with the Mariners in 1993.
8: Look, Look at you. How could you not love you, by the way, Alex? How could you not? Does she live in Miami, <laughs> too?
10: Is she down there? Plenty don't. She's in <laughs> Miami, and uh, and she's doing fantastic. She's a force of nature. I do want to end with one little story because I didn't answer your question. Uh, I apologize for that. Is, uh, I, in my childhood, I was a great, big, big Mets fan. Of course, you remember, 86. Yep. With Doc and, you know, Strawberry and... Uh, Carter and Hernandez, that was a great legendary team. Of course, WOR, I used to watch every game at night, uh, you know, listening to Ralph Kiner and Kiner's Corner and Tim McCarver uh, doing color. And I remember going back to the Fred Wilpon and Steve Phillips, who I've become friendly with since, and both are really classy people. Um, I remember meeting with Scott Boris the day before, and I said, now, Scott, listen to me and listen to me clearly. I will take a 50% haircut to go play for the New York Mets. Because, of course, I grew up watching Magic and Bird, and I thought me in New York, they were, just got beat in the 2000 World Series. They have Jeter. I can be the final piece to join Piazza and oh. Olerud and Ventura. Oh. And I thought that was a perfect match. And I said to Scott, I'm going to take a 50% haircut to go play for the Mets because I want to go to you know Shea Stadium and be that guy. And the next day in the paper, I wake up that I want airplanes. I know. And I want concessions and I want $300 million. And I'm like, wait a minute. This is a bad nightmare. I said the exact opposite.
8: I believe you, but that's why I said give me airplanes, but I believe you. Uh, and I know you would have been great and that would have been great. You with Mike and Edgardo and John and you up against Jeter instead of playing with Jeter would have been amazing. But look. God has a plan. It all worked out. You got to be a Yankee. I know of all the stops you had: Seattle, Texas. That the Bronx had to be your favorite. You won a World Series here, and you're forever a part of uh, New York lore, which is a uh, a very, very big deal. And you're a super guy. And I really appreciate appreciate you doing this, Alex. It was a great conversation. God bless you. Continued success. Let's talk again very soon. Enjoy the game today in Minnesota. Thank you very
10: much. Sid, thanks for having me. I'm a big fan of all your work, and maybe next time I come to the studio, we do a full 30 (laughs) minute.
8: I would love that. I'm serious. When you come to New York, please let's do that, okay, buddy?
10: You got it. Take care, Sid. Be
8: well. Enjoy the game. You too. That's Alex Rodriguez, folks. Gotta love him.
1: 77 WABC. Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC.
8: will join us at 7.40. We'll revisit this Kevin McCarthy situation. I made it very clear in the opening segment that even though Nancy Mace is a dear friend, you guys don't even know how close we are. She's a dear friend. She is now one of the traitors, as far as I'm concerned. She's a traitor. Uh, Matt Gates and all eight of those people, what they did yesterday was inexcusable. I don't care if you agree. Don't bother texting me, Instagramming me. It was awful. Awful. And I told Nancy that. Now, she may join me at 8.10, and I'll say it again, and she'll give me some ridiculous reason why Matt was right and budgets and deficits and all that nonsense. But, folks, don't confuse the issue. What happened yesterday was very simple. Matt Gates had a personal vendetta against Kevin McCarthy, and he was able to convince a minute 4% of Republicans to join him, and what they did was really un-American. So I'm mad at Nancy. Um, at any rate, we got King, we got Mace, and others, Michael Goodwin, too. But I got a text yesterday from a good buddy of mine. His name is Michael Butler, and he's a hero cop here in New York, hero cop. And he's also the guy that was my PA from my house when it got flooded after my pipes burst. Great guy. And I saw him at Floyd Bennett Field a couple of weeks ago before one of my rallies with Curtis. Lou, you remember meeting Michael Butler? Yes. Big, strapping, good-looking guy? Yes. So he sends me a text last night early. He goes, are you coming to Bay Ridge? And I said, no. I love Curtis. I don't like Justin Brannon. I've known him for many years. Not a bad guy necessarily, but a horrible politician. Public enemy number one. But I'm not going. I mean, I'm very, I'm a selfish guy. If it's in my neighborhood, I go. If not, I leave it up to Curtis, you know. But I love Curtis. So I said, no, Mike, I'm <laughs> going to be home. Because <laughs> I'm not out there for the people like Curtis is, you know. So um reminded me, how did that go last night in, in Bay Ridge? First, By the way, so... Curtis gets huge ratings, noon to one every weekday, weekend overnights. He's here with me every morning. So, um... This is the great icon, the great legend, Mr. Guardian Angel, Curtis Sleeve. So how did it go?
12: Well, first off, uh, I'm going to be listening intently for Congressman Peter King because I know he's going to be praising George Santos's vote for McCarthy <laughs> yeah. to keep McCarthy in his speaker. I know well, I you not are funny. also.
8: It's, it's funny, and you're right, Santos probably did, but... I'm not going to hold it against Kevin, that one, you know, dirty politician uh, voted for that's him. That's uh, Apparently, he's better than Nancy Mace. Uh, I cast my this vote for Nancy
12: is, Mace. I no, no, my no. no vote. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. You, you, you're okay with what happened yesterday? I'm fine with well, that. Well, you know
8: why you want. I'll tell you why you are. Seriously. I'm going to tell you why you are. Yeah. And no one's better to you than I am, nobody. Not even Nancy. Yeah. You are all about chaos. Mm-hmm. Your life is chaos. Mm. You're out there, you're leading the rebels, you're and, and and by the way, it's great, I'm not knocking you, but you're about chaos and rebels and fighting. That's not me. I'm about solving problems, peace, tranquility, figure it out. You don't care if you get arrested 81 times. That's what Matt Gates did yesterday. He threw this country into complete chaos, oh, which con- you
12: like. The country won't survive. You're going to have a new speaker as of Tuesday, please. you Most people didn't even know who the hell McCarthy was, right? Come on. Let's be honest. This guy would just make deals. But anyway, let's uh, leave your other guests to focus on that. I just want to hear from Peter King. George Santos did the right thing. Now, (laughs) back to the subject at hand. First of all. Uh, the attorney, Joe Muir, was there for the whole rally. That's unbelievable. Joe went to Bay Ridge from beginning to middle to end. He was the last person to leave, uh, leave. I mean, this guy was like totally GQ'd out. Yeah, he's a good looking guy, Joe. Oh, but the outfit he was wearing, the suit. And he goes, you know me, you know me. I i, I recognize it. I knew you when you had dark hair. Instead, of he's got that jet white hair, you know. So
8: he was there for the whole nine yards. Well, that's good because, you know, we've had these conversations. He was at the Floyd Field one. Yes. We had dinner at La Sorrentina's with John and Joe afterwards. I asked him more than once to get involved. He said, listen, Sid, I got ninety cases going on right yeah. now. But if you need me to go to court, yeah, he, I'll said, be the there. Same same he said the okay. same thing. He said the same thing. But
12: now I gotta take you to court.
8: Uh oh. Uh the court of kissing us of A. Royd. Oh, I do want to thank Arthur Idala. He just sent me a text. He goes, You know, I missed the A Rod interview yesterday. So glad you replayed it this morning. That was a great interview. Quote, you should replay it all week long. Well he
7: also
12: Thank you, Artie. Uh he also missed coming to the rally where he was booed. Uh, People were saying, how come he's not here defending us? He lives right in the neighborhood. Well, who
8: mentioned his name?
12: Oh, the crowd. The crowd. No, Curtis, what did you do? Oh, no, no, no. Scott Labato said, you have to have lawyers like we have in Staten Island. And the crowd says, yeah, well, we
8: have authorized. Wait a second. Wait a second. I love Scott Labato. You know I do. And I love John Tobacco. Yes. Scott Lobato is not allowed to talk crap about a friend of mine, a Brooklyn attorney in Brooklyn. If, if it's on Staten Island, that's one thing. Scott Lobato should not yeah, be talking about it, my friend Audie they're, in They are
12: making a point because there are three locations in which you're going to have these migrant centers. From Arthur I. friend who has just decided to leave in the middle of a crisis to go party hardy in Mexico City in Bogota with the cocaine and the hookers flow and Quito in Ecuador. So put that aside. His own people in Bay Ridge. When Scott Lovato said we need law, you got to have lawyers. Other Idaho will not step up for the people of Bay Ridge. There are three locations. You got Shore Road there, 77, 79, they're gonna put it down. You sure
8: it's not Shore Parkway?
12: Shore Parkway, Shore Road. Okay, yeah. Point okay. is, it's yeah. right, there right there in yeah. the park. Yeah. Secondly, you got a hotel, no-tel, motel that just got constructed on 86th and 7th. You know they're gonna be putting your illegals there. And then, right in that area between your beloved Oh, what is that day school called? What is that day school called? That would be polyprep. Polyprep. And then you have the hospital, the veterans' hospital. They're always threatening to close. And you have Fort Hamilton High School. They're going to put a tent right in there. No good. So it's time for Arthur Idella to step up.
8: Well, the reason why Arthur is not, and you should be very happy about this while you continue to kill my good friend, is he's representing your dear friend, dear friend, pro bono, by the way. One Mr. Rudy Giuliani. Well, that's fine. That makes up for Harvey Weinstein.
12: (laughs) But anyway, let's get back on track because... Uh, you were supporting, uh, your other friend, Joe Tacopino, yeah. Who came across, Pino. like, like A-Roy
8: is the greatest thing that ever hit Major League Baseball. He, he is far and away, and it's not even, I'm not gonna debate it with you because it's a stupid debate. He's far and away the greatest all-around, I'm talking about offensive, defensive, the greatest oh, all-around sure, sure shortstop in the all,
12: history of the game. He's such There's a no liar. There's no one even close. He's such a liar. Coming off the Mets great season, which they almost won the World no, Series. No, they didn't. They got the Yankees, killed by the Yankees. But still, they got into the World Series. But they didn't almost win. They lost in five games. Two thousand. They weren't even competitive. They had Piazza, they have Al Leiter. and then you have Aroyd on saying, I would have taken a haircut. That's what he said. Yeah, well, how come he never said it? Because,
8: no, he did, but Scott Boris wasn't willing to take the haircut.
12: Oh, so Scott (laughs) Boris talks for him, huh? He wanted a separate marketing staff, an office for himself and shape, four employees to strictly just handle his needs, a private
8: plane, and billboard presence in the city, which is who you want. I know exactly what he wanted. I've written them all down so that when I uh, negotiate my next contract with John Cacchini. I want the same thing. You know what Al Leiter said? (laughs) Al Leiter was
12: their number one pitcher said, hey, we could use A-Rod. But guess what? I think it would be a bad thing if he got everything he's asking for. And Mike Piazza was not a happy camper at that point.
8: So come on. Oh, good. So A. Rod went to the Yankees. The Mets have not uh, been to World win? Series for 14 one years. Later, World series how, many, the World series? how many of the Mets won? How many? How many of the Mets won? None.
12: He has None. been a dissensionary figure in the clubhouse, <laughs> and you know that. But anyway, let's shift. Yeah. So,
8: so, so let me get this right. So, yeah. so far this morning is sticking up for Al Leiter, Nancy yeah. Mason, yeah. Matt Gates. Yeah. This is not a very good morning for oh, you. Oh, what do you mean? Not a very good morning? And you're going with the
12: party line. Oh, McCarthy. We're not going to be able to survive without McCarthy. I'm not even a big McCarthy fan. they got a new vote on Tuesday. You're going to have a new speaker. You're acting like they're going to end up
8: with Hakeem (laughs) Jeffries doing rap quotes, you know, for Biggie Smalls. Hakeem, happening. Hakeem Jeffries is doing victory laps this morning that the Republican speaker got ousted. I don't want Hakeem Jeffries enjoying anything, quite frankly. Well, how about anything?
12: having a Republican speaker who actually speaks to his members and tells the he truth? He does. That 90, would be 90, somewhat refreshing. 97%. And then, what we'll let, me
8: ask, let me ask you a question. Yes. How many guardian angels do you have?
12: I have 5,000 in okay. 13 countries, 130 okay. cities. Let
8: me, let me give an example to yeah. make you understand this. Yes. Okay? Because you're not stupid, but you're not all that bright either. 5,000 Guardian Angels. Okay. What if, in fact, they had the ability to get rid of you? And 4,990 Guardian Angels said, we love Curtis. He started this. He's still into it. We want him. And 10 Guardian Angels Ten assholes decided they wanted you to go, and you were relieved of your duties as the head of the Guardian Angels. Would you be okay with that, that, Curtis? Because that's what happened here. That's exactly what happened here. Those are not the rules of a nonprofit.
12: Those are the rules of the house, right? Those are the rules. The Democrats and the eight voted against McCarthy. Well,
8: stupid rules.
12: You're going to have a new Republican speaker. I don't want to know. I'm listening last night to The Five, you know, uh, with John and Rudy and
8: everybody in here. Oh, my God, it's the end of the world as we know. Oh, they're right. John's right. How is it the end of the world? Oh, it's not the end of the world, but it's it's a, an absolute calamity for our democracy Listen and the republicans. Listen to your own Nancy Mace said. She Nancy goes, Mace is wrong. We here. are for. I'm never talking to Nancy Mace
12: again. To vote on a budget, we either vote for the whole budget, we don't get to separate it, bifurcate it, which is exactly what should be happening. Now, if you don't put your foot down at some point, we're going to end up straddling our children and our great grandchildren with a debt that just Keeps growing. It grew with Trump. It's growing now with Biden. There's no end in sight. So, Sid Rosenberg, it had to start somewhere, and somebody put their foot down. And Nancy Mace, to her credit, told you what she was going to do, told the hen cluckers on The View what they were going to do, and she stood her ground. So, what are you going to do? Terminate her? Traitors? As Newt Gingrich said, primary them. Yeah. Go ahead. See Eight if traitors. you can knock her off. Eight. Newt Gingrich. Eight traitors. Let's see, Newt. Why don't you go into her district and Matt Gaetz's district, and they'll say, we thought you were dead. We thought you were a cadaver in formaldehyde. That's the old way. Eight hey.
8: traitors. Yeah, yeah. And okay. by the way, you, uh, Curtis, again, let me just repeat it, just in case people don't know this, because I put you on every day because I think you're brilliant. You are the biggest backstabbing son of a bitch. You're a never-Trumper to begin with. You don't all care right. about this country.
7: Excuse if you cared me. about
8: this country, you would love Donald Trump like every other Excuse great patriot, including
7: me. Scott
12: Lobato. Excuse me. Scott Lobato happens to be a Trumper, as you know. Right, exactly. I am not a Trump. Right, because you're an idiot. I'm waiting for all the <laughs> other Republican candidates. So well, I have what, what are you lobster. waiting for? Who are you I'm waiting for? for Who are you waiting Hold for? Hold on a sec. What, Tim everybody Tim has to bow to Trump. Yeah. Everybody ben has right, to bow to you. Yes. You're not permitted any other point of view. You call him the traitor And yet George Santos is a hero. Right, Peter King? Right, the rest? Why can't you say the name George (laughs) Santos?
8: He did the right thing. Oh, he voted for McCarthy. Come on. And look, nothing is going to change. I want Mike Butler to come here, and I want him to arrest Curtis Slewa for the 81st time right here, right now. I want courtesy people, with thrown look, in jail people, for being for being a non patriot traitor. You are now the ninth traitor. Oh, you can, excuse they me. They can put you on the same list as Gates and Nancy Mace. Okay,
12: so let's say Scalise. Traitor number nine. Let's say Scalise gets elected the
8: speaker. He doesn't want to do it. He's
12: tired. Oh, the man got shot a couple of years ago. Not only Leave that, him alone. He has he has leukemia. He's getting right. treatment for cancer. He got shot
8: and he's got leukemia. Exactly.
12: Leave him alone. My kind of guy. He wants to go to a Saints game in a Wait a second, I got shot and I had cancer, okay? I like the guy. Plus, he's from New Orleans. I love the guy too. I like him a lot more than Kevin Where McCarthy, the hell is but it's McCarthy's job. From? Bakersfield? Have you ever been to Bakersfield? That's a dust storm waiting to happen. <laughs> but anyway, let's talk about it. Let's say they vote for Scalise. Watch, everybody will forget McCarthy. Oh, Scalise, he's great, he's wonderful, we're back on track. Why does everybody get caught up in these soap operas, these novellas? Let the process take its course. Let Nancy Mace, let everybody else explain why they voted in the negative. They are not traitors. Because you have a different point of view, you're a traitor or traditor, right? Well, let me tell you something. I'm out there leading the rebels, and your mayor, your friend, Eric Adams is abandoning ship, going to raise the roof and party in Mexico City at taxpayers' expense. Quito in Ecuador and Bogota, with the cocaine and the hookers flow. While we were told yesterday, I'm doubling the number of migrant centers. And Justin Brennan there called me a comic book villain and a serial liar. Well, guess what, Justin, and the rest of you Republicans and Democrats out there. I've been right every step of the way, and you have lied to your peeps, hoping, Justin, oh, please don't put up the tent until after November 7th, after the election. That's why you got to elect Harry Kagan and get rid of these bums, whether they're Republicans or Democrats. America will continue. We are a great country. We're a diverse country, and you don't call people traitors because they disagree with you.
6: Or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G A B O Law.com. GaboLaw, where winning is no accident.
1: 77 W A B C. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. All
8: right, just ahead of Peter King. Back do Peter King, Vito Focella. And Steve Sharippa, a.k.a. Bobby up on The Sopranos. Talk Radio
1: 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC.
4: It's the benefit of this country that we have a better Speaker of the House than Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy couldn't keep his word. He made an agreement in January regarding the way Washington would work, and he violated that agreement. We are $33 trillion in debt. We are facing $2.2 trillion annual deficits. We face a de-dollarization globally that will crush Americans, working-class Americans. Kevin McCarthy is a feature of the swamp. He has risen to power by collecting special interest money and redistributing that money in exchange for favors. Uh, We are breaking the fever now.
2: Well, first, I think it's a very sad day because I think Kevin McCarthy is one of the most talented leaders I've ever worked with. I think that he accomplished an amazing amount for having a small majority and being having to take on both the Senate and the White House. And I think this is really a tragic outcome. Uh, this was a leader who both gained seats in 2020, gained seats in 2022, increased the number of women members, increased the number of veterans, increased the number of minority members, uh, and he had a vision for a better future. And let, let's be clear here, Sean. Uh, you know, if, if the University of Georgia Bulldogs were the number one team in the country right now, if you started a game and four of the members of the offensive squad decided they were actually on the Alabama side and began tackling your own people, you'd probably get them off the field. Well, think about what we saw today. Four percent, four percent decided they were so morally superior, so intellectually pure, so patriotically better, that they would side with the democrats and that's what they did in order to defeat the entire republican house caucus ninety six percent of the republicans voted for mccarthy four percent voted against him from my position as a longtime republican activist they're traitors all eight of them should in fact be primaried they should all be driven out of public life what they did was to go to the other team to cause total chaos
8: Newt's really mad. Driven out of public life. The traitor eight. And I agree with Newt. And you guys know how Todd I'm with Nancy Mason. I spoke to Nancy last night and I told her she did the wrong thing. She said, no, I didn't. We're okay. So I, um... I'm not going to refer to Nancy as a traitor necessarily, but she is part of that group, so I guess I am, all right. I?
5: <laughs> oh, well.
8: My next guest... I always say one of the best two politicians in my lifetime in New York. Him and Rudy, uh better part of four decades, a great congressman out of Long Island, Homeland Security. Now he's a major star here at WABC between me and Katz. He is Peter King. Pete, good morning. You heard from both sides there. You heard from Matt Gates, who I think is an, an a-hole, and you heard from Newt Gingrich, who's a great American. Uh, Something tells me, based on your post this morning, you tend to agree with me and Newt, but the floor is yours, Congressman King. What do you say? Thank you, Uh, First of all,
13: I totally agree with Newt. I totally agree with you. And Matt Gaetz is a lowlife. The fact that he was able to do this, I don't think I I was uh, listening to Curtis. I don't think people realize how dangerous this is. We have a two-party system. You elect the leader of your party, you elect the speaker, and that person is out there negotiating for you. If you can have three or four percent of the party go over and remove the Republican Speaker by dealing with Hakeem Jeffries and the progressive Democrats, this is going to lead to chaos. It's never happened before. I guess maybe it happened once back in 1830 or something. But The fact is, there's a reason for that. When Kevin McCarthy, whoever the next Speaker is going to be, when he's in there negotiating, it's important that he can say he is the party behind him. It's also important that you know, the Speaker is second in line to the President of the United States. For foreign leaders to be able to see that our speaker has uh, substance, that our uh, speaker has support, and that there's a certain uh, reliability. We don't want to end up like these European parliaments where you're removing prime ministers and government leaders overnight. We have a certain stability. A president's in for four years. A speaker's in for two years, two-year terms, and we go with that. i have we'll always talked to Kevin McCarthy and the deficit and the budget. The fact is he did as much, if not more that any Republican leader could possibly do. The Democrats control the White House. The Democrats control the Senate. And he, Kevin only has a four or five-seat margin in the House of Representatives. And for him to be able to make the uh, progress that he has, for him to be able to hold together Republicans the way he has, the way he's been able to, in many cases, face down Joe Biden the way he has, it's me, it's incredible. And so for people to stand on the sidelines and say, uh, that uh, he could have done more. You got to be in the trenches to see what's going on. Again, uh, he uh, considering what he was up against, and also, you know, uh, people like Matt Gaetz talk about the House majority. The only reason there is a House majority is because of uh, New York people like Malota, Garbarino, D'Esposito, uh I'm, I'm I'm going to say now uh, Mike Waller, Mark Malinero. These are all. They're the ones who made the New York majority, uh, the uh, Republican majority yep. in, the, in the Congress. And without them, there wouldn't be one. So there's, they're the ones that Matt Gates said that he wants to run primaries against. So anyone who wants to complain about a primary against Matt Gates, the fact is he wanted to go after the Republicans in New York who are the ones who gave Republicans the majority they have in the House of Representatives.
8: You know where I've gotten in my life, Pete, is I don't like uh, these extremists. Uh, certainly I hate the progressives. Hate a strong word, but I hate them. I despise them on the left. And I don't like the guys on the right either. I don't like these wackos on the right. Like Steve Bannon to me is a wacko. Uh, Matt Gates to me is a wacko. I don't like them. I believe that in politics and everything in life, there's got to be a happy medium. And I don't know exactly what Nancy Mace is talking about, budgets and deficits. That's your league. That's not mine. And I don't even care. For me, I'm a smart guy. This comes down to one thing. Matt Gates had a personal vendetta against McCarthy. He didn't like him. It's not about the budget, the deficits. the de- It's none of that. He didn't like him, and he was able with just 4% of the vote to remove him because he's a psycho. I'm not okay with that.
13: I agree with you completely. And the fact is, to me, there's nothing wrong with having firm opinions, firm beliefs, but when you're in the arena, what you do is you fight to get as much as you can. You, you may compromise when you have to. And you don't demand all, all or nothing. I mean, Ronald Reagan was probably the most conservative president we ever had. He made a lot of compromises with Chip O'Neill. We can go up and down the line on that. That's how you get things done. But, for instance, like, your know, members of Congress, again, I don't know Nancy Mace, but for them to say that Kevin McCarthy broke his word on the budget and all that, I'm sure that he fully intended to do what he could. But when you're in there... And you find out you can't get this bill through because the votes are there. Then you go for the next, you know, the next best bill. You go for the next best piece of legislation.
8: Because, by the way, stop you for a second. Because, because uh, let, let's take the other scenario here. Let's say, to your point, Peter, that McCarthy said, no good, no, no, you didn't take my budget. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. And we had a government shutdown. Okay. Right. They shut down the government. What do you think Matt Gates will be saying today? Oh, this guy's the worst. We have a government shutdown. We got people not getting paid. We got... So, McCarthy, and this is why people are so stupid. It, it really bothers me. McCarthy was in a no-win situation. If he did the deal, it was no good because the Democrats won. If he didn't do the deal, then the government shuts down. And Matt Gates would be killing him for that today. Who's Matt Gates kidding?
13: Yeah, Gates was setting up Kevin McCarthy to fail. And listen, Gates has his own agenda. What bothers me is that so many uh, people in the media and the public are falling for this, somehow saying this is uh, a failure of leadership by Kevin McCarthy. No, he was a strong, tough leader. He had 96 percent of his party behind him. He kept the government open. He's made real progress considering the odds that are against him. And uh, and let's give a lot of the credit to the members of Congress from New York who often have cast tough votes, even though it wasn't entirely— in the quarter with their district, they cast, cast the tough votes for the overall good of maintaining a Republican majority. If Matt Gates to be out there parading around like he's some kind of hero, to me, it's a disgrace. If, to yeah, me, if the yep. future of the United States is going to be in the hands of Matt Gates, okay. that, that is a bad sign yeah. for our country.
8: Oh, another bad sign is that Curtis Sleeper last segment agrees with Matt Gates, and you never want to be on that side unless he's talking about the migrants. <laughs> <laughs>
13: yeah, no, I agree. I mean, first of all, you have, you know, you have Matt Gates and AOC and Hopkins <laughs> Jeffries, You all voted the same way yesterday. Right, right. And Curtis is lined up in the <laughs> yeah, three times about Curtis. Well, I,
8: uh, I nominate you, Peter. Not that I have a nomination party, but uh, I was listening to uh, Rita Cosby's piece with Niels last night, and uh, he... He wants to nominate President Trump. I guess he didn't find out that Trump is running for president, but he made the uh, the point and he's right about that, which is you don't have to be a member of the house to uh to be the speaker. So I nominate you. You want the gig?
13: Uh, let me let me think about it. Okay, let me uh, talk to my wife and see how goofy she be. You to don't want that me. gig. You, listen, let me, listen. No, no, no. No, you no, like no, to
8: no. you like to go to Umberto's on a Wednesday night. You like the your Notre Dame Fighting Irish had a huge win over Duke on Saturday. Yeah, it
13: was great, great <laughs> right? Game.
8: You got a you got a beautiful daughter in North Carolina, Sean. You. you don't want that nonsense,
13: right? I no, I I'm, 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 I'm out of Congress. I love being down there, but it was time to go. I turned the page. I'm gone. And even if I were in Congress today. I would not want to be speaker. It's absolutely, it's absolutely impossible right, it, to
8: Correct me if I'm wrong, but the way I see it, and I'm not in politics, never was, you can't win with that job, right? You can't win.
13: No, you can't. You, you, you can't. And listen, it's tough enough taking on a Democratic person and a Democratic Senate when you have to also have to worry about your own people stabbing you in the back. It makes the job absolutely impossible. And they always put, why did McCarthy do this? Why didn't McCarthy do that? The fact is he's doing all he possibly can. And considering the odds against him, I think he did a great job. And this is a terrible pressure. And we're going to have a situation now where you can get five or six people from the other party to bring down a speaker. I mean, you know, the you know, Republicans can do this to Pelosi, to attacking Jeffries. We need stability, whether you like the people in charge or not. It, it, your party or the other party, you have to have a certain stability to go forward. You just can't constantly be blowing the place up.
8: So, we'll wrap it up with this. Uh, you and Bo Dito, my boy Bo, who I love. Bo was, uh, was, became a never trumper. <laughs> but, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, he said, well, now I'm, I'm going the other way. Now I'm back on the Trump bandwagon. Now you have not done that. You have, uh, said you feel badly for Trump. Certainly the last two days, it's got to make you sick to your stomach. That's I mean, this terrible. is ridiculous. That's terrible. Yeah. Terrible. But are you still not, not a Trump guy? You're still not there?
13: No, I'm still not supporting him. Having said that, what he's going through is terrible. I think think all four indictments are terrible. This civil case in New York is an absolute abuse of justice. And to me, I, I would hope the American people, whether they like or dislike Donald Trump, would realize the dangerous pathway going down, where you can destroy a person's financial empire just because he's on the wrong side in politics. I mean, this is incredible to have this kind of a lawsuit, this kind of an action by the attorney general, where not one person lost a penny, when everyone made a profit, and there was absolutely no harm done to anyone. And yet to make Donald Trump public enemy number one and ruin what he spent a whole life developing is an absolute disgrace. What do you
8: think, too, about that gag order they put out yesterday? Trump can't talk about it. I guess he pissed off somebody on social media. I don't know. How old American you know, is
7: that?
13: I guess, uh, first of all, I don't believe in gag orders. Uh, I think Donald Trump went over the line with this one. he was going after a woman who was probably working in the courthouse. I mean, you know, leave her out of it. But he, to me, he should be able to say what he wants about the judge about about the attorney general and he should give it free reign because they've spent the last year two years attacking him every day and going after him so he's entitled to take
8: his shots agreed well listen you were great again today and uh, and i agree with everything you said i loved your appearance i like when uh, you and i agree or any of my guests for that matter so well, thank you for stopping by today pete continue to speak the truth and go irish
13: Okay, say hello to Vito and say hello to Steve Sharipa for me, okay?
8: You Although both those guys love you. You got it. You got it, Pete. That's my man right there, Congressman Peter King. That's a good man. One of the all-time greats, and he's right. We are going to talk to Staten Island Borough President Vito Boncella and the great actor. He's in Blue Bloods now, but, man, was he great as Bobby Bacala in The Sopranos, Stevie Sharipa All that coming up next hour with still, still Michael Goodman, the great New York Post columnist. And Paul DiGiacomo, Paul, of course, is the head of the DEA, the Detectives Endowment Agency. He's going to stop by too. So a very exciting two hours still to come your way. Sitting friends in the morning on a Wednesday.
1: Friends in the Morning. 77
8: WABC. I just looked in the newsroom and on the screen in the middle MSNBC, I see that fat, stupid Chris Christie, who you know is a horrible guy because Geraldo Rivera and Anthony Scaramucci are both picking him, so... And then in the screen next to him on the right, I see uh, Kathy Hochul talking about extending the deadline for bars, applying for liquor licenses, and how we reacted after the storm, and she's stupid. So uh, there's fat and stupid. I just need one, somebody who's drunk, and then we're perfect, right? Oh, that'd be nice. Wasn't it um, the dean of students who told Flounder and Animal House? Dean Warmer. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life. Well, I got a fat guy. I got a stupid governor. Anybody drunk? Me.
4: What? No, never mind. (laughs)
8: Yeah. Not in the morning, at least, no. All right, listen, we've had uh, two great hours, and we have two more great hours to come. But uh, I got a text from Vito Bocella this morning. He's the Staten Island Borough President. And let me go on record right now and say this. He is far and away my favorite borough president. I don't even know the names of the rest of them. Except for that jackass here in Manhattan, the Jewish guy. What's his name? Um, Levine or? No, what's this, uh, the idiot here in Manhattan? Uh, but,
0: oh my God. The guy who I'm wanted to put his dead too. COVID
8: bodies in Riverside yeah. Park. <laughs> Him and Gail Brewer, two horrible people. She was the old, uh, Manhattan. Yeah, man, I know. Man. She was there then. But, um. I'm sure Vito knows. Vito's my favorite. And, um, Vito's, uh, kid Dylan, his son is about to marry his fiancée, Kirsten, on Saturday night. I hope they found a lovely temple. Although I don't think Vito's Jewish, but he should still marry his kids with a rabbi. Here he is, uh, a healthy mazel tov to the Staten Island Borough President, Vito Posella. Mazel tov, buddy. How are you?
14: Thank you, Dylan. Congratulations. Uh, thank you for mentioning Dylan and Kirsten. Uh, we're, we're waiting for the right temple. They just want the, we need the right price. And by the way, Dean Wormer also said that there'll be no fun of any kind in Animal House. But I guess he doesn't listen to your show, Sid, because there's a lot of fun here.
8: Oh, thank you, man. He did say that. You're right. Thank you, and I appreciated the text you sent me this morning too. You were in the car, I guess, for the Alex yep. Rodriguez interview, which I replayed this morning. And uh, you loved it, and I did say at one point, "Hey, Alex, you want airplanes? I'll even give you Staten Island." And you kind of drew the
14: line there, right? You... Exactly, you're right. <laughs> I thought that was a great interview, but we're not about to give up Staten Island to anybody, <laughs> including A Rod. So yeah, I'm but, sorry about that. You take don't want... Brooklyn, take yep. whatever you want, but we're not giving up Staten Island.
8: But but you do want to secede still and move away from the rest of the boroughs, yes?
14: I Yeah, I, I think we're about to start that uh, look and ask. I mean, personally, I support it, but I think the 500,000 people of Staten Island uh, deserve an honest assessment of what it would look like. So we're about to embark on that. If you will, evaluation and give the people the best, uh, the best reflection of, of what something like that would look like. So we're, we're, we're trying to do the right thing for the people of Staten Island today and every day, and we appreciate the opportunity to be on with you this morning, Sid. So thank you so much.
8: No, you're welcome. You're, you're my favorite borough president. You're a good guy. Um, and I actually think somewhere down the road, there'll be even bigger things for you in, in politics. I really do believe that. But it just, I mean, you know that you're, you know, Joe Borelli and Nicole Maliotakis. A lot of your local politicians are on the side of secede. I know you know that, bud.
14: Yeah. Yeah, and and, my, and there's a, a lot of compelling reasons why we just think differently than uh, the rest of New York City politically. When it comes to fiscal issues, when it comes to the migrant issue, for example, uh, so there is those uh, very salient f- uh, facts that we dis disagree. And in any type of relationship, when things are so strained, you it's no problem saying, hey, you know, you're not into me anymore, so let's just disappear. And, and I think that's that's where a lot of people feel. But at the same time it's not as easy as just flipping a switch uh, and there are those in the middle who were not as certain as the <clears throat> excuse me as those so I think the the people as I mentioned just need an honest assessment and that's what we're going to do for the next uh, couple of months or so
8: you mentioned the migrant crisis I want to get to right to shelter that's really the, the impetus why you're calling in this morning yeah. but you talk about strained relationships and I get it so what is the relationship now I mean I know the Mayor Eric Adams is in Mexico he was on with me for 30 minutes last Thursday it was a pretty Intense conversation. We hung up the phone, still friendly and all that, but it got pretty intense. Where are you with the mayor these days?
14: Well, I, I want to thank. You know, we need to work together. Uh, to. That's what I think we're elected to do. You know, unlike what's happening in Washington, I heard your great interview with Peter King as well. And Thank you. No, nobody better than, than Peter. And he, I think he, we're all on the same page as to what, what went down there. But
8: before you move on with this point, so you are on on our page, which is Matt Gates is 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 an idiot. And um, McCarthy did the best he could and deserved better. You're on that same page.
14: I think what happened yesterday was just a disaster. Uh, I think, you know, on so many different levels, what happened was wrong. And I give a lot of credit to what Kevin McCarthy has tried to do. And it's like hurting, you know, the expression is hurting cats. And then when there's – as it's been said repeatedly, three or four percent can disrupt it for everybody. I just don't think that's a, it's a healthy system. And this is going to this is going to hurt for a little bit. You know, nothing's impossible. We're not going to the, the country is not going to get destroyed. But what happened yesterday was just silly and ridiculous, if you ask me. All
8: right. So then move ahead with the point you're about to make about you and the mayor.
14: I just think that the migrant situation that started about a year ago was going to spin out of control. We said repeatedly, and thank you for allowing us to voice our concern on your show and and John and and everybody else on ABC uh, that this was going to be an unsustainable situation. And we questioned and we went into court with our attorneys and you've had them on as well, Lou Gelamino and Mark Fonte to question the right to shelter consent decree to say it should not apply here. And for year for almost. year he was saying basically shut up and go away but to his credit the mayor actually in court yesterday said we need to modify the right to shelter because it's cumbersome and inflexible and we need help because that thing that was entered into 40 years ago never contemplated a surge of a hundred plus thousand people coming from all over the world seeking a right to shelter free food and everything that comes with it and sure enough That position is now the same one we share. So there is finally a light at the end of the tunnel with this migrant crisis if the court allows this right to shelter consent decree to be modified. So for people across Staten Island who have had to endure these migrants in their neighborhoods, across from schools next to their homes, uh, we can finally say we we believe we're seeing a light at the end of the tunnel.
8: Funny, you uh, just gave credit to Eric Adams, and I agree with you in court uh, looking to modify right to shelter. I like that too, but kind of destroys where I was going next, which is you get these, uh, you got these rebels, you know, in your borough, guys uh, that are friends of mine. I like them all very much. Johnny Tobacco, Scott Lobato, and they're led by Curtis Sliwa, of course. And I was about to ask you, there's a high school right up the hill from the Ferry Hawk Stadium. Where I've seen you many times, John Katzmatiti's baseball team. And the name of the high school is Curtis High School. But nobody knows who that Curtis is. So I was gonna to say to you, being Curtis Saliwa has been such a huge voice for your borough, that we renamed the school Curtis Saliwa High School. But as if he's a high school dropout, it would give, it would give uh, all kinds of people hope. But as it turns out, now that you've agreed with the mayor,
14: he might not even want it. How about that, Vito? <laughs> Well, they're all all friends, and uh, (laughs) you know, I could see I could see where you're going, uh, Sid. (laughs) But I think we need to bring it up with the Department of Education or somebody of a higher power. Perhaps uh, we have to get the blessing from John Casimattides because he's the real boss over there anyway, right? He is. (laughs) Uh, But I give credit to everybody who's been banging the drum for the last year. You know, people were told just to disappear, but the people of the Arakar section, the Midland Beach section, Travis, other parts of Staten Island, people stood up and said, no, we will not be trampled on. We will not give up our American dream. We don't want our kids or our families uh, subjected to this. Just because you, uh, not you, Sid, but others believe that we should have open borders and that we should take care of anybody who comes across for free it's a difference between saying America is the land of opportunity if you come here as my ancestors did from Ireland and uh, and Italy and I believe perhaps from Israel too I'm not sure Um, but when they come here for the American dream we say great you know try your best work hard and whatever comes your way if you earned it you deserve it and live free and pass it on to your kids That's different from saying, if you come to Midtown on a bus from Texas, we're going to put you up in a hotel for six months and give you a Vespa and free food. It's unsustainable, and I just think it's nuts. So finally, to go full circle... You know, we're finally seeing a light at the end of the tunnel, and perhaps we can slow down the madness and get back to what we should be doing, working on behalf of the good, hardworking taxpayers of this, our, of our community and our city and our state.
8: Now, on the way out, I didn't know much about you because I was down in Boca Raton, Florida for 16 years. And the first time, <laughs> being serious, I mean, Frank Morano mentioned you to me and others, but the first time I began to uh, pay attention was when our friend Donald Trump endorsed you when you were running. And I said, whoa, hold on a second. Donald Trump knows veto. Donald Trump is endorsing veto. He must be something else. And Donald Trump was right. You are something else. And now you and I become great friends, great friends. But our friend Donald has been in court the last two days as Letitia James, who is a horrible human being, not a bad lady, a horrible human being, and this idiot judge who hates Trump. They're continuing this witch hunt, which is partly destroying our country and certainly making our justice system, just ridiculing it to the point where it looks like a joke. So I have to imagine you, as much as anybody, Vito, has been nauseous watching the last two
9: days, yes?
14: First off, I've, I said it there, and I'll say it again, I'm very grateful to, to President Trump for stepping up and supporting me when I ran uh, for borough president a couple of years ago, so I'm grateful for that. He was very instrumental in, in helping us uh, get across the finish line, so I appreciate that. And, and I think Peter, uh, I was listening to, as I mentioned to Peter King's interview a little while ago, I think he sort of said it best, whether you like somebody or not, when you see a, a justice system basically teed up, to destroy somebody uh, because you disagree with them politically or you don't like them personally or a combination of both it's sad It's sad for the country. It's not just sad for the individual and that person's family. It's sad for the country that we believe in when we should look to justice to to be administered and not justice, justice to be perverted. And I think that's what a lot of people are seeing right now. And I hope that some good people with common sense step up and say, you know what? Enough is enough. Let's right the ship and get back to doing the right thing, as opposed to being on this persecution and not prosecution mentality.
8: Congratulations again to your son, Dylan, your future daughter-in-law, Kirsten, on their big nuptials coming up on Saturday night. Uh, I'm very happy for all you guys. It's it's a wonderful thing, and I'm getting closer to that myself.
14: (laughs) Mazel tov to you, too, Sid. Thank you so much. Thank you, Vito.
8: You're great. Thank you for coming on. Thank you, buddy. Take care. There he is, the Staten Island Borough President. One of my favorite people here in New York. He's a good guy, Vito Poselli. You know, we had that um, charity softball game. I'm going to do something next Thursday. The we had a radiothon last year for dyspraxia. Danielle came in. You remember that? We're doing it again next Thursday on the 12th. For my son. Uh, My son has dyspraxia, and uh, we started this charity, Danielle and I, which I'm very, very proud of. And, um, now we become the, the only charity in the United States to do this. And there's probably millions and millions of people who have dyspraxia, but these doctors in the United States, they don't know much about it. They, you know, London, London, they talk about dyspraxia more than they do autism, believe it or not. Same thing in Ireland. Danielle's on her way to Ireland in a couple of weeks. So the point I was getting at was we put on this little softball game at John Katzmatiti's, who was kind enough to give us the stadium. Last year. And uh, it wasn't, there was no crowd. There was nobody there. And a bunch of my friends showed up. A bunch of people here from the station. A bunch of the actors Chris Momondo, Peter Gordio from Gravesend, and Andrew Giuliani and his beautiful wife and daughter. A bunch of folks showed up Um, Joey Nunes and Kona. And um, Vito showed up. The Staten Island Borough president showed up. And I'll never forget him for that. So there's a Yiddish expression I like to use. When you talk about somebody with a good heart, it's called Get to And as far as, as far as I'm concerned, Vito Pocello, Get to We got a lot more to come. You like The Sopranos, you like Blue Bloods, and you love my 840 guest. Anthony and Bobby Bacala, the great Steve Sharipa, going to join us live at 840. Michael Goodwin, Paul DiGiacomo in the 9 o'clock hour, sitting friends in the morning. Coming back on a Wednesday.
1: In the morning. 77 WABC.
8: Remember that time, Lewis, when you were naked in my car, which time? It's 2002.
5: Okay, now I'm starting to come back to me.
8: You and I just left a gay bar in Chelsea. Right. Danielle was driving, of course.
5: Well, you look at them as gay bars. I look at every bar as bars. So they uh,
8: doesn't matter. General to me, as long as they have liquor, who cares? Yeah,
5: that's it. Oh, look at that's a great tattoo. We actually wow. said that
8: one time, you and I. Yeah. we like, who cares? I don't care. I once went to a bar with my wife. The year was around 92, 93. I got married in 93. And it was down in the village somewhere. I don't know, some sleazy part of New York City, which people rave about, which is just gross.
7: They
8: love it. All oh, the village is gross. And um, I remember we walked up to the bar. We partied hard back then. I mean, my, my wife and I partied hard. She grew up at some point and stopped, and I didn't, of course. And we know the rest of the story. But I remember walking up to some bar, and there was a lady sitting outside the bar. She had a lot of tattoos, you know. And she had some muscles, too. And I looked at her, and I was intimidated. And I thought to myself, this is not going to be good. And we walked up. The true story. Because you had to pay a cover to go into this place. And she looks at Danielle, and she goes, You know, I'm going to be looking at you. And the guys in here, they're going to be looking at him. And I think she thought at that point we were going to leave because clearly you had a sexual, good looking couple. And I said, Good. You have vodka? <laughs> so what of you God. She said, We got plenty of vodka. What did Danielle say? Saint, you got tequila? Tequila. Yeah, there
2: you go. Care. Sure Couldn't care had,
8: less. I'm sure, they had both. And we had a blast in that place. We had a blast. I forgot the name of the place, but there was some, I mean, there were some guys wearing, you know, jappers pants. (laughs) Well,
4: if you know the name, let me know.
8: (laughs) As if you don't know already. He's probably fell into it a couple of (laughs) times. I'm sure. (laughs) But anyway, um, Boss Skaggs happens to be one of my favorites. You know, he went to school with another famous guitarist. Let me take a guess. Okay. You're not going to get it. Oh, I'm going to get it. First guess, I'm going to get it. You ready? Yes. Sam Ash. Uh, way off. Mm-hmm. You're still thinking about that night, Ash. <laughs> your, your own Ash. I just remember there was a place on King's Highway in Brooklyn. <laughs> a music yes. store. Sam yes. Ash. What yes. was Ash? It's and Ash. They, I think they replaced it with J&R's Music World. And there were two things I loved to do as a little kid. A youngster growing up in, in Brooklyn by King's Highway. But my dear friend, Joseph Iovine, who I hope is listening. One was walking from... Each twenty second in Quentin to Kings Howard to buy baseball cards. I have a, a collection of baseball cards like you've never seen. I mean, it was so exciting to open up a new pack of baseball cards. Get that gum, which was basically cardboard. Just one little flat piece of gum. And if you chewed that one piece of gum, you were guaranteed to go an orthodontist in two weeks, yeah, which it I did. Was Steve just
4: piles of sugar. On top. But it was delicious, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
8: And so we we'd get baseball cards, and then it was a really great day. We'd walk down another like six blocks to JNR's Music World, and just look at all the cool record covers. Because back then, the covers were cool. They had like stories and the picture of the band. And no, you could make a day of going oh, to a record store. I I remember going to Tower Records. Me too. And going to Tower Records, you were like the coolest ever. It was. If you went to Canal Jeans and Tower Records, you were the you were the coolest person ever. I once bought a coat. At uh, Canal Jeans. It's not even there anymore, I don't think. Somebody died in the coat. They had a rack of coats. Somebody died in that coat. It was a big brown, woolish winter coat. It was gorgeous. Wow. Somebody like Sam Ash. <laughs> yeah, maybe. And they charged extra. And they actually <laughs> said, they said, somebody, somebody died. Yeah, somebody you know, died in the coat. It? You and, and I extra. bought it. And, I, and it was such a great conversation starter. Wherever I went, they're like, wow, what a beautiful coat. I go, somebody died in it. <laughs> well, I'm not going to die in it because I can't find it anymore. But. <laughs> but that was the kind of way, you know, Tower Records was great, right? What else? Uh? There was, um, well, there, the whole the village was piled with record
1: stores.
5: Uh, you'd make it a whole, uh, J&R, and
8: uh, J&R one, Music Row was on the, Kings Highway. What
5: was the place on uh, on Park Row? Wasn't that a J&R? I don't know. There was a park. But there
8: park were a Row. million record stores in the village. A million.
5: Vi- a
8: vinyl something. Do these idiot kids today still think the village is cool? Because it's not. But they do, right? I know they do. But oh, we're going to the Village. Right?
4: But which, which? The East or the West Village?
8: Well, where's Bleeker and Thompson? That's, That's the west. west. That's where I used to go. place was Googies. It's a great bar on the corner of Bleeker and Thompson. No, there's good. There's, there's still bars good. there still. Now, St. Mark's Place is the East Village, right? Mm, nah, you no. Know,
5: yeah, St. Mark's is East. You
8: know, a couple of years ago on Halloween, right, we five, took six, a um, a tour in the Village. And they walk you past all these um, homes, haunted homes. And uh, you know they walk past um, one of the homes is a brownstone. And this is actually on the Halloween tour. And the person that lived in that brownstone was like Mark Twain, somebody you know, like that, who his uh, real name was Samuel Clemens. And I believe it's the same brownstone that Joel. I uh, know you would know this. What was the name of that guy? He killed uh, oh, the, the daughter. Yeah. He was married to Hedon Nussbaum. He beat the hell out of her. Was a it Joel Steinberg? That's right. Yeah, Steinberg. Right. Yeah. And he's in that same, he was in that same house. And they say that when you walk past the house on certain nights, it's a brownstone. Oh, you're going to scare me. Don't scare me. with yeah. this. You can see little Lisa in a white oh, nightgown. Knocking on the window screaming help. I swear to God, I'm like, Danielle, I gotta go home. I, I'm, I'm <laughs> serious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because I've been in my house when you've been knocking on the window screaming help. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: she's trying to get out.
7: So <laughs> 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 other people at If I miss we going to break that on that one. She, so. uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs>
1: This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative.
7: Oh, you my best friend.
1: 77
7: WABC. Look at this, Got yourself in.
8: I got a text from my uh, good buddy Angelo Vivolo yesterday. I love Angelo. And I don't know even what happened or why, but for some reason, Angelo, who I, I believe is the head of the American Italian Club, or I don't know exactly what his title is, but we uh, we started this love affair about three years ago when we did our Columbus Day programming live from Little Italy. In fact, uh, I think I was on stage that day with Joe Piscopo and a host of others. So for the last three years, Angelo has given me this unbelievable honor, and I mean that. I'm a Jew, mind you, of riding in a convertible Cadillac during the parade. And Piscopo and Maria Bartiromo used to be Kenny Rosado. They, you know, they all point me out. That's Sid, W-A-B-C. He even flirted with the idea this year of making me an honorary Grand Marshal. And again, I'm a Jew. But it does go to show you that Jews and Italians are basically the same, basically. My next guest would agree with that. He's a brilliant actor. He's doing a great job on Blue Bloods for years. But, of course, he became a household name playing Bobby Bacala in The Sopranos. And now he's become a dear friend. He's the great Steve Sharippa. I mean, there's really no difference, Steve, between Jews and Italians, is there? For the most part.
11: Italian's got better food, Sid. That's <laughs> yeah, that's, the, that's the big difference. You're
8: right about that.
11: You Italian's are right about that. has got better food. And listen, I enjoy a good pastrami sandwich or brisket, but <laughs> Italian's got better food. <laughs> no, than not it's, kid ourselves.
8: Not even close. Uh, listen, I, I eat Italian food almost every night. I, You know, I break my pants over the third night every year with a veal parmesan. But if Steve <laughs> Sharippa was, in fact, going to go to a deli tonight, I know you have a place in L.A., you you're in Vegas. So, But you're a New Yorker. If you were to go to a deli tonight to get you a pastrami sandwich, where would I find you? What
11: restaurant? Mill Basin Deli.
8: Are you serious? i got to tell you something, Steve. My sister, Ray Sherry, my brother-in-law, Albert, live in Mill Basin. They're on 66th Street. And I lived with them when I got my job back here in New York for six months in 2016. And I go to that place all the time.
11: Yeah, I love it. It's great. It's priced right. Uh, Paul runs the place. It's a terrific place. Now you great, know, Paul.
8: Paul never misses this show—not one yeah. day. You know that, right?
11: I uh, know. I had no idea. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Uh, that's that's my go-to place. You know, I, I love it there.
8: But you're a city guy. I would have thought you would have said because uh, I know you moved from downtown to midtown or uptown.
11: But ah, I- well, cats catches pay. What do I got to pay? I got to take a mortgage out to get a sandwich <laughs> at catss Come on, what are we kidding? <laughs> Stop already. No, I agree. I agree. The, I the agree. building's not paid for yet. It's there for 200 years. Stop already with that. <laughs> and you I do know... I are we kidding? I go <laughs> to a base delis, a regular deli for regular people, and that's where I go. Uh, catches may be good. I'm not knocking them. I, I've met them. I've been there. They're very nice people. <laughs> not my thing. But so that's it. If I got to go for one Italian meal, I'm going to Danico on Mulberry Street.
8: Really? Danico? The the, the See, my buddy Tommy owns... Il Cortile on Mulberry Street.
11: Yeah, and I love Il Cortile also. I used to live upstairs for years, Il Cortile. I now go to Danico. I haven't been to Il Cortile. My friends uh, uh owned Il Cortile for years. I lived upstairs for two seasons of The Sopranos, and now uh, I go to Danico. It's funny
8: you say that because there's a table in the back of Il Cortile, okay? And they have a picture of Jimmy there, Gandolfini.
11: Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, we used to go there. Uh, that 's where we had the parties when you found out you were getting killed off, we would take people to dinner. I started it with the g g was getting killed the guy that died on the toilet yep, yep. I said, "Let me take you to dinner uh, This is your last show and then all of a sudden this guy said i 'll come i 'll come i 'll come Jimmy came. There was about ten of us, and then it got bigger and bigger and bigger, and then we had to stop doing it because it leaked so they if any you know the press saw uh, all of us at the dinner, they knew who was gonna get killed, so we had to
8: stop. Oh, that. that's funny. But
11: I had my book party there for my first book party. We used to, I used to be our go-to place. All of us hung out there. They were great people. The Espositos, Carmine, Sal, uh, all of them. Yeah. Uh, terrific yep. restaurant. Sal is still I, there. You, you know, you gotta... It. You got to switch up now and then, you know. No, I agree. No, look, I I, I'll I go back to El Corteo. Uh, for now, Denico's my spot.
8: Well, I got to tell you, because uh, Tommy and Sal are my boys at El Cortillo But talking about switching it up, yeah. I went on Sunday to L and B Spumoni Gardens, and what Lenny did for me on Sunday, the Pope wouldn't get. I mean, it was yeah. unbelievable. And, and I go to Michael's. I love Michael and Freddie on No sunday yeah, I like
11: Michael. Good guys. Good sauce. I love Lenny at uh, Spumoni Gardens. Uh, the restaurant is very underrated. Everyone talks about the pizza. Thank you. And he's a great chef. I like that, too.
8: Thank you for saying that, because people have no idea. I had a 12-course meal there on Sunday, and it didn't matter the shrimp. And by the way, talking food with Steve makes sense, because not only is Steve a great actor, but he told you you are. so also act-
11: fat. That's why. No, no, not
8: because you're fat. <laughs> no, no, because, you know, you did say you had your book parties at Il Cortile and people forget. You wrote great cookbooks. You wrote the sauce, the whole thing, Stevie Scherriffle.
11: Yeah, yeah. Well, I like that. I mean, obviously, I like to eat. I, I like that uh, spice. And I like... I like places, regular places, not uh, everyone's trying to get into Carbone. They, bah, oh, bah, 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 bah. they won't let people in.
8: Please.
12: I mean, ridiculous. Please. It's
11: just ridiculous. I, 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 mean, I, I got
8: there. you know. I got Todd Shapiro did me a favor like five years ago. He got me there for my anniversary with Danielle. I spent 400 bucks. I have no idea why. Uh, yeah, here's Steve You
11: know, <laughs> listen, Joe Rogan, the biggest podcast in the world, the biggest, the greatest guy, they wouldn't let him in. I had to get him a reservation. Really? I've never even eaten there. I have no desire (laughs) to eat there. It might be the greatest restaurant ever. I don't like the scene. I don't like the the vibe. I don't like you can't get in. I don't dig that. No, I didn't think it either. Don't don't give me that. And by
8: the way, even when I was inside, I didn't love the the vibe. So give me one last one because I want to get to your big show at the Sopranos. Give me the one restaurant because it sounds like you've been to every one. Give me the one restaurant, Steve Scharippo, that you haven't gone to yet, but you have to go in New York. One.
11: I, I don't think there is one. I mean, if I want to go, you know, you if I if I want to go, you know, you know, go, I go. I kind of easy, you know. I mean, some spots you go, yeah, I got to check that out one of these <laughs> days. But you know, there's no place that I can't go. No, of I, course I, not. You know what I like? You, have you been to Don Angie?
8: No, but I've been to Don Pepe. I like Mike and those guys.
11: Uh, I like Don Pepe, but Don Angie in the Village, fantastic. It is? I think it's got a Michelin star, Italian uh, Italian, it's a married couple. They're wonderful people. If you could get in there, it's just hard because it's so popular. No. Go to Don Angie. Look it up, I'm telling
8: not, you. Not hard for me. I'm the number one radio host in the U.S. I know, many. you're
11: the... You're the man. But you're Damn an actor. That's right. You're a radio guy. You wear many hats now. <laughs> you're, right. you're, you're, you're a different guy these days. Come on. You rub shoulders with, uh, who you rubbing shoulders with, Adams these days? I don't well, know I, who
8: you well, with. Well, uh, Eric Adams, Donald Trump loves me, and I love him. Uh, and okay. and and I'm not that far removed from doing a movie with Armand DeSante. It doesn't matter. All
11: right. I'm everywhere. There you go. See that? we have many ads. <laughs> you're not just some radio guy. No. <laughs> you're becoming a Renaissance man. Next thing you know, you're going to be painting. <laughs> you're going to be painting. Sid. Oh, God, maybe a pastrami sandwich. Yeah.
8: You know, I actually said to Danielle a couple of days ago. I told her you, you were coming on. She loves you, you know. And I said, Yes,
11: and I her
8: Thank you. And I said to Dan, I said, you know, the, the my my issue with the Sopranos is. As I remember back then, you know, you coming on, I miss, and and all you guys came on, and and Tony, God, I miss Tony Sirico, I miss him desperately, and even Jimmy, and I said, if the Sopranos was big today, today, I'd be on it. I'm telling you, they would find me a role or something, but but of course, 20 years ago, I was a newcomer to New York City, and I was, I wish nobody knew who I was, but but it's funny that that even my kids now, and a new generation of folks are watching the Sopranos as if it started a week ago, Stevie, and they all love it, and that's why. The show that you do with Michael Imperioli and Vinnie Caratolo and all these guys continues to do very, very well because 20 plus years later, people still love The Sopranos.
11: Well, there's a new generation watching the show, you know, and because of streaming, back then only 11 million people had HBO. Now there's, it's all over the world, and we knew that from the podcast, you know, uh, Sid. I mean, literally, Saudi Arabia, Israel, literally all over the world. In Australia, it's massive. In the U.K., you know, we toured Australia uh, in 2019, seven cities, you know. So uh, a new generation, too young to watch it the first time around are watching it now, kids in their teens, their 20s. Every single day, young people. I watch it with my father. You know, we watch it as a family. The show holds up like it was written today. You know, sure. except for the cars and the phones, it looks like it was <laughs> written yesterday. And, you know, and I had to watch it again because when we had the podcast, I had to watch each one three times, take notes, watch it so we could talk about it because fans know more about the show than I do. You know, so we've been doing these shows. It's uh, myself, Michael Imperioli, and Vinny Pastore.
8: Well, Pastore, you not it's been the Three control. of us right, for right, years. Right, right. And
11: we got a great comic, Joey Cola. And we tour. We do about once a month, twice a month. Yeah. If you're a Soprano fan, it's a must-see. We show clips from the show. We have a comic comes out. does 20 minutes. He's been with us for years. We we show clips of the show. We show slides. We talk about Tony Sirico and Jimmy. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we give you uh, funny. Everything's funny. Uh, backstage stories and stuff that went on that only people that were there could possibly know. And and we sell out most places. Uh, we're going to be in Peekskill uh, Paramount Theater uh, this Saturday. Then we're in Huntington, New York at the Paramount there December 10th. And then we're in Montclair, New Jersey at the Westmount Theater on February 25th. So I'm telling you, if you're a soprano fan, then we do a big Q&A. And it's very loose on stage. Every show is different. Vinnie Pastor is very funny. He got killed off. He tells us all about why he thinks he got killed off. Yeah,
8: but you know what's funny about that is, and, and uh, Vinnie's a terrific guy. I actually, did uh, some scenes uh, Gravesend. Vinnie was there with Chaz Palminteri, and I actually shot a scene with Vinnie at Michaels. But the 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 I guess maybe it's a misconception. Maybe it's not is that Vinny was pissed that they whacked him in season one because they're showing on to have years and
11: years of great success. but well, how could you not be pissed? First of all, <laughs> listen, we talk about it, Sid. You, it was like working with your friends. You go down the corner, it's like not even a job. You're going to go hang out with 20 guys. So it was a lot of fun. Of course, a lot of work went into it. Number two, you know, as the years go on, you get paid more and more money. You know, so Vinny gets killed off in the end of season two. He never made real oh, money. He oh, made that beginning yeah. money.
7: Yeah.
11: And, he, you know, and now you're out of work. Let's not kid ourselves. Yeah, the story was great. You're out of work. Now, sure, he was pissed for years. He never watched the show. But he also was the first... Big character killed, so right. he had a lot of opportunities. Yeah, and he talks about all this stuff. Uh, plus, right, plus uh, very uh, honest. The plus know. the
8: name, uh, Pussy. Everybody likes to say big Pussy, no matter what, just to yeah, say. The yeah, name. You know, <laughs>
11: yeah. I mean, it's very memorable. He was a big character. He was. You know, and he yeah. talks about it. He's very honest yeah. about it. I mean, I tell you what, I got killed off in the next to last episode. If I would have got caught, killed off early, I would have been pissed. Also,
8: of course, I got to tell you, pissed
11: and disappointed. You're watching them. Then not Not only is the show become huge, but they're all making big money.
8: Right, and you're not part of it. But I will tell you that you know you talk about getting people killed off and going to Cortile. One of the funniest stories I've ever heard, and you've told this story many, many times on many radio shows and on TV, was when <laughs> you lived in the city and David Chase came knocking on your door and I think your quote was, Oh my God, this is like a real hit
11: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. He came, you know, uh, uh you know, we talk about all this in the show, but he called me he called me up in the morning, like eleven o'clock in the morning, uh, you know, and I, he never calls me ever, you know. <laughs> and then he says, Where are you? I said, I'm in my apartment, you know, I'm on my way over. And like I didn't even have a chance to answer. It was about eleven o'clock, drinking coffee. And uh doorman rang him up. And I opened the door and he said, uh, you know, he, he, he hasn't had a, he hasn't been out in the sun in like 40 years. <laughs> so he's white as a ghost and he was wearing one of those crappy Parker, you know, the crappy parka thing with the fake fur, you know, yeah, like the green yeah, jackets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, the guy's worth 200 million. He was wearing this thing. i right? I opened the door. He goes, I guess you know why I'm here. Like completely straight face. I went. I guess it was like a real hit, and he came and sat down, and oh, you know God. he was very vague at train store, and oh, that's iron. great. That's great. And, uh, uh, and I thanked him for changing my life. He did, you but change your But I got it, But, but life. he did change. I, I had a good gig in Vegas, and but he helped me take care of my kids and my wife, and uh you know so all that was good. But we tell all these kind of stories. You do and,
8: okay because look, yeah, because I do want to say that he did change your life. Now look, I know Michael. For example, Steve, you guys are very, very close. He directs and produces almost everything when he's not on Strike in Hollywood. I get that. He's got a brilliant career. I get that. But a lot of the Sopranos guys, a lot of them, it was kind of over after that. You, Steve Sharippa, you, you go on to Blue Bloods, and your character is great on that show. And that is the only good police drama left on television with Wahlberg and Selleck. So of all the Sopranos guys, of all of them, you were the one who went on to become the biggest success
11: afterwards. Well, you know, listen, I just kept on hustling. I did the books. I knew when the show ended it was going to be hard because they want to put you in the box. You know, you're just going to play a gangster, a gangster, a gangster. I stayed away from that. You know, I was on another series for five years with Molly Ringwall. And Shailene Woodley, who's a big star now, uh, it was in L.A. Secret Life of the American Teenager. Yep. That was a big job to get right out of the Sopranos. I was just playing a regular guy, you know, just a dad. So that was good. And uh, you know, I, we we did the movie Nicky Deuce, where Jimmy was in, and Vince Caratola and Sirico, and Michael. We we shot that movie. It was a kid movie. Uh, and, you know, I just kept on chugging away. I mean, you know, I've been very lucky. There's a lot of luck involved. And people tell you it's not. It's true. I went in to do one episode of Blue Bloods. Maybe two. I've done 130. Wow.
7: Wow.
11: You know, I mean, I mind my own business. I shut my mouth. I learn my lines. <laughs> and that's it. No, man. you're great,
8: though. Anthony's a you great know, character. Uh, and
11: you know why the show is great, Blue Bloods? Of course. The writers don't kowtow to to what's going on in the world today. That's why, you know what I mean. They tell the real stories that are going on. They're not so quick to make all the changes that everyone else did, and you know what I mean. Uh, Tom is great. Bridget's great. Donnie Wahlberg. The whole cast, actually, it's a very pleasant place to work. They're good people. I mean, uh, I kid you not. And I, I don't know how much longer if we have another season or two seasons. This strike has killed us. I'm pro. I've been in the union thirty years. It's killed the people, especially the crew and the PAs and the catering, the customers and the drivers. I mean, it's time to make a deal. These people have been out this is the longest i've ever been out of work since i got out of college i'm out of work for over five months
8: Jeez, and and i really thought once the writers came to their agreement two weeks ago i was expecting the very next day to be honest because i'm going to do a movie with danny a out in california too i really thought the next day would be over i mean what is it you think it's close
11: i i have no idea i mean they're meeting today again i mean I, i you know these like people are really hurting you know, they got mortgages, kids, I mean, people, you know, it, it's a lot of money involved, but the, the people that just live check to check and, and have kids and mortgages and car payments, I mean, what did they, they, they haven't been able to work in five months. Oh, yeah. If they had a savings, they've blown, uh, gone through it. Sure,
8: sure, terrible.
13: So
11: you know what I mean? Yeah, it's terrible. I, I, terrible. So I'm all for what they're fighting for, but Let's make a deal here,
8: man. Let's get it done. I agree with this. So on the way out, yeah. this, this is so much fun. I, I swear to God, Steve, you're such a great, I know you're a great actor, great guy. You're a great radio guest. I love having you on. But give those folks uh, the dates again. I know you've got three great deals. Okay, so we're at
11: Peekskill, New York, which is only an hour away from the city, this Saturday night. It's called Conversation with the Sopranos at the Paramount Theater. December 10th, the Paramount, the great place in Huntington, Long Island. Great, great, great. It's going to be busy. Get your tickets now. And a meet-and-greet is, uh, you could get a meet-and-greet with that show, okay? December 10th, it's a Sunday night, all right? Then you go to uh, Montclair, New Jersey, the Westmount Theater, February 25th. All the tickets are on sale. And I'm going to say something that I've never said before. The Knicks are the best team in New York City.
8: Let me think about that for one second.
11: Think about it. The Knicks You
8: are know, the what, let me just top. say this. Uh, you may be right, but I'm down on the Knicks. I'll tell you why. Because the two teams I worry about most in our conference. The Bucks, Forget about
11: the, the conference. I'm talking yeah, just Yeah, I know. But, Giants, but, but, but Steve, yes, I, you're GMS. right.
8: You're right. But, the
11: but, best but, franchise in New
12: York they, right now okay. are the New
8: York Knicks. Fine. But the Bucks get Damian Lillard. The Celtics get Drew Holiday. And we got Dick. We got some kid from Villanova five years ago.
11: Come on. We got a red-headed Italian kid. Right.
8: <laughs> <laughs> but you're probably right. They probably are the best team in New York, but still not good enough to win a championship.
11: All right. But listen, we'll be competitive. and We'll see yes. what happens. And hey, listen, you know I love Jim Dolan. He did a hell of a job with this sphere in Vegas. You know, uh. Oh, my God. You watch a concert. You, right,
8: can you get. you familiar get, with that? No, yes. Can you get me and Danielle tickets to see you two at the sphere next week, please?
11: Well, I could try. Call me and I'll see what I could do. I'm Shut dying up. to go.
8: I'm dying to go to the oh, sphere. It oh, looks you're beautiful. Gonna
11: go, you're just going to fly out there? Yes! I want to see you too Boy, you're making way too much money. I got to talk to <laughs> Kevin Matitas about this. He better sell a lot more cans of tuna to pay you, man. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> He's paying you too much money. Oh, God, you are God, funny. We better, better put them uh, tomatoes on sale or something. Jack them up. Steve. He needs hopeful prices. Come on.
7: You are buddy.
8: I love you. I will call you after the show. That was a great appearance. Hey, Thank you so much. Give me a much. call. I'm, All right. Great talking to you. you Tell your wife. I love you. I Bye. love you, too. What a great appearance. He kills me. I swear to God, I think he's one of the funniest. <laughs> he's, he's a great actor, but he's a funny guy. God bless him, my friend. Steve Sharipper. fourth and final hour. Coming back.
1: Is Sid and friends in the morning? What you say? He's just a friend. Oh, you're
7: my best friend.
1: 77 WABC. Oh, oh. Oh.
8: Back in route to court for his day three, I guess, of this sham, this witch hunt, the civil fraud trial. Fox News actually has a helicopter shot right now of Trump's caravan on the way to court. It's really pissing me off. I mean, really pissing me off. You know, I miss our next guest. It's, uh, It's been a while. He is, in my opinion, the best columnist in the country. He writes for the New York Post, and he's always a great guest when he's on this show, always. And that is my friend Michael Goodwin. Michael, good morning, buddy. How are you?
3: I'm good, Sid. Thank you.
8: If you're watching Fox News right now, reminiscent of uh, the O.J. car case. <laughs> I swear to God, I... And the people at the Nick game, the Knicks are playing the Rockets for the NBA championship, and they all went to the concession stands to watch a white Ford Bronco race down the the L.A. Expressway. And right now, Fox News, I swear to you, has uh, been on this for a good five minutes now, watching Trump's car on the way to court. On a serious note, though, and we've been over this time and time again, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, it doesn't matter. If you don't realize... If you don't realize what's happening to President Trump is grotesque and unfair, and much like Matt Gates and Kevin McCarthy about a personal vendetta, you're somewhere between naive and stupid and closer to the latter. Yes?
3: Yes. And, and I recommend, Sid, everyone uh, hunt down this uh, video, a campaign video, from Letitia James, the attorney general who's brought this case, a video that she did in 2018 when she was running for attorney general. And in it, it goes on for several minutes. She says, I'm going to get Donald Trump. I'm going to look at his businesses. And so to me, that's that's grounds for recusal right there. You have no right. She should not be in, involved in this because you cannot mix a campaign promise with a specific targeting of an individual. At that point, there is no indication there's anything wrong with Donald Trump's businesses. He did a lot of business with the city and the state. Remember the whole ice skating rink that the city couldn't fix? A wallman rink, sure. Yes, yeah, I mean, so there are all kinds of things. And for her to run on this platform, now he had been elected president. She calls him an illegitimate president. All of this is in one video. I encourage our listeners to go to it, to track it down on – I saw it on Twitter the other day. I've seen it before, but it it came back again because of this case. But it's out there. Look at it and see if you don't think that kills the case, that she has no right bringing any such case. And Alvin Bragg, the other case brought by the Manhattan District Attorney about Trump, is similarly a, a political get. It's got nothing to do with any usual carrying out of the law. They are targeting him. Now, that doesn't mean that Donald Trump is a completely innocent man. I'm sure he's done many things that you and I would not like, even though I voted for him, and I suspect you did too. Uh, Nonetheless, you cannot have law enforcement abused so that the powers are weaponized for political purposes. And that's what these two New York cases are all about. These are not cases you bring against anybody else. These are people who have targeted him because of his politics. There's no way around it. And just let me add quickly, you know, this is a destructive habit of New York politicians that will kill jobs, will drive away employers. I mean, any anybody thinking of bringing a business or starting a business in New York better beware. If the attorney general or the district attorney doesn't like your politics, you're going to be held to a different standard under the law than somebody whose politics they like. That's outrageous. That's un-American, and yet it's happening before our eyes.
8: And that's why when I see a picture or a selfie in the street of Eric Adams and Alvin Bragg smiling and hugging each other like they're at a high school reunion, I yelled at Eric. I sent him a text. I said, don't do that. Don't do it. I mean, it's bad enough, he said on my show, after the Daniel Penny incident, that he thought that Alvin Bragg did a very, very thorough, uh, you know, investigation. I said, uh, stop it. Stop it, Eric. Stop. <laughs> I'm trying to tell people I like you. Eric was on this show, Michael, uh, last Thursday for 30 minutes, and we had a very intense conversation, very intense. Right. And right. I made it very, very clear that, you know, you can't tell people you're a sanctuary city and come one, come all. And then a year later, you know, now I'm pissed. You know, Biden and Hokel And I said, Eric, where was this guy from the very beginning? And he said, listen. It is what it is. I'm a very, I'm an intense New Yorker. I wanted to help. And he tried to make the the example of, well, listen, when your grandparents came, I said, Eric, they came legally. They went to Ellis Island. They didn't end up not vaccinated with money and cell phones and hotel rooms. There's no comparison. But at the end of the day, when I ask you, Michael Goodwin, how you think the mayor has done up to this point with this crisis, your answer
3: is? Terrible. Terrible. Um, look, I, I endorsed Eric Adams when he was running, both in the primary and the general. I voted for him in the primary and the general. I am a registered Democrat, um, and, and I, th- I did that because I thought he was be the best, the best candidate on crime. That he he went after the crime issue like nobody else, certainly on the Democratic side, and I thought his experience was would make him a good police commissioner mayor, that, that he would keep the police always forefront in this. He would, rever- you know, remember how what nonsense there was under de Blasio, defund the police, and he actually did. He actually did cut their budget. It was kind of a sleight of hand, but this was part of this national anti-police movement. And Eric Adams, to his credit, reversed that when the, within the Democratic primary. He was the only one in that primary whom you could say that about. But I think when you talk about this issue, and there are others too, the schools are a disaster. The school system is collapsing. Uh, People are, kids are not going to school. 40% of kids are chronically absent. They're not going to school. And many of those who do are smoking weed before class. I mean, this is insane, this whole legalization of marijuana, the way it's been rolled out at least. Uh, But on this migrant issue, uh I, I'm with you 100 percent, Sid. Go back to July of 22, when Eric Adams first says there are roughly 2,800, I believe, in the city shelters. That was the first we had heard about anything like that. That was the time to blow the whistle because the border was open. It was if you got 2,800 in, in, you know, at that point what was it going to be in three months what was it going to be in six months you had to look forward you had to look at the facts and say they're going to keep coming what's going to stop them and then of course the governor of texas trying to make the point that texas could not stand this that he wanted the democrats who run the northern cities washington chicago new york to get on his side and to complain to the president the border had to be closed Instead, Adams fought the governor of Texas, called him a racist, you know, played the race card, as he too often does. And he's continued to this day to be unclear. So on one hand, he'll say we can't take any more. And then he'll say, let's treat them better. Let's give them free legal services, as he and uh, Governor Hochul said yesterday, $38 million more which is, you know, kind of a a chip on a bonfire of burning the cash that they're going through. (laughs) But it's just all these decisions are welcoming them. The, the, you know, as you said, Sanctuary City, uh, all, all of this, you know, it's just now that he's really fighting the obligation to shelter. What took him so long on that? And so I feel like he's been behind the curve every step yeah. of the way. Yep. Sure. And and the problem keeps growing. I mean, when is he going to get in front of it? When is he going to say to Joe Biden, when's he going to lead a march? that says shut the border. And if, if the black mayor of New York City were to come out and really run a campaign saying close the border, close the border, we have, to, we have to sort this thing out. We have to figure out who is eligible to stay and who is not and who is just gaming the system, which is what the asylum claim has become. It's, it's a way of gaming the system. If the mayor of New York did that, Joe Biden would have no option except to begin to change the policy. But Eric Adams hasn't done that. He doesn't know how to use the power he has, I'm, I'm sorry to say he could have He could have gotten more on the criminal justice front from Governor Hochul when she was running for reelection. She needed his endorsement. He gave it away for nothing, just as she gave away a pay raise to the legislature for nothing. Neither one of them really know how to use, to leverage the power they have for the good of New York. so you have this one party system which i referred to in my column today as political inbreeding. It's it's, it's why people don't marry their cousins and have children, right? Because you get idiots. Well, that's sort of what we're getting politically. We're getting inbred idiots because of the politics.
8: I love this column. New York's lack of leadership is turning the Empire State into the flop of the heap. I'm going to read a little bit of this because it's great. We have, like, four minutes to go. Maybe Frank Sinatra's famous old is out of date. Maybe it's no longer true that if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. By the way, that is true, trust me, at least in my profession. What if New York, New York, is now a second-weight town for losers? That's not a jab at the Yankees and Mets, Jets and Giants, though it certainly applies. The target is the abysmal quality of our political leadership. And you talk about Adams and Hochul, which, by the way, They're both Democrats. Every major blue city has the same issues we've got, whether it's crime, illegals, drugs, bad schools. And again, no coincidence, they're all Democrat-run city and state. So I'm going to say to you what I say to my wife. Because Danielle still tells everybody she's a Democrat, even though she disagrees with all of them about just about every policy. I go, stop saying that. You're not a Democrat. Maybe you were 25 years ago when Ed Koch was the mayor. You're not a Democrat. Alan Dershowitz, I'm a Democrat because I care about gay rights. By the way, I do, too. I'm also pro-choice. When are you going to stop saying, Michael Goodwin, you're a registered Democrat, and come to the light side, leave that dark side, come with me, Michael? (laughs) (laughs) Please.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I I vote like an independent and I have for a very long time. But take for example the mayoral primary, right? That's one of the reasons I remain a democrat. I'm also pro-choice although I believe there should be limits. Um but but the you know, I was able to vote for Eric Adams in the Democratic primary because I'm a registered member of the party and because the primary is so important in a one-party town. That's that's the main reason I keep it that way. Although I, it doesn't it doesn't dictate that I'm always going to vote for the Democratic candidate. Uh, far from it. I, I as I say, I vote like an independent. I like that. That feeling that I'm free. I'm a free agent, right? You've got yeah. to win my vote, right? Uh, right. While well, at the same time keeping my eligibility for the primary, <laughs> which is so important in so many ways. That's
8: fair. That's fair. And you even admitted you voted for Trump. So clearly, you don't vote just down the D line. Well, no. I got to tell you, it's great to have you back. I miss you the last couple of weeks. I find you to be a fascinating guest. You're a great writer. You're brilliant on the radio. Again, the column is New York's lack of leadership is turning the Empire State into the flop of the heap. It's a must-read. As always, Michael Goodwin, great job. Thank you so much.
3: My pleasure, Sid. Thank you. You'll
8: be well, okay? Take care. Michael right. Goodwin, New York Post. We're going to talk to the head of the DEA. Now, it's not the Drug Enforcement Agency. It's the Detectives Endowment Agency. This guy is in charge of about 15,000 cops, I believe. It's, uh, maybe maybe uh, lower. I don't know. But he's uh, one of my favorite people. We're going to talk to Paul DiGiacomo. We've got a big event at Russo's on the Bay in Howard Beach. Later on last night, Paul DiGiacomo will join us. Coming up next on Sid and Friends in the morning.
1: 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Yeah.
8: You know, I'm still getting text messages about my friend Nancy Mace. It started in the gym yesterday, I told you. Your friend Nancy voted with Matt Gates. What do you want me to do? Well, friends, I can't tell her how to vote. She doesn't listen to me. And I'm really surprised that some of the folks that sent me texts who listen to this show every second every day send me that text as if they're surprised. She told us she agreed with Matt Gates on this show two days ago. And I took her to task. Remember, she was here live in studio. She was in New York to do The View, which I didn't watch. You guys ever see how that went? I guess it was fine, right? I mean, yeah, nothing went viral. Right, and That's what right. I was so to. she really fought with Whoopi or Sonny or Douchey Joy. We would have known about it. Well, she was in New York. She came into the studio on Monday. Beautiful girl, by the way. And um, she said, I agree with Gates. I was like, what? He's a psycho. I can't stand Matt Gates. I don't like people who are extreme on either side. I hate the progressives, and I don't like these Republican psychos. Gates, MTG, all of them. No good. No good. Just like everything else in life, there's got to be middle ground. And that's what Kevin McCarthy tried to do when he got burned for it, for being actually sane. So these are the eight names of the folks that uh, voted uh, to get McCarthy out. These traitors, as Newt Gingrich called them earlier, and he's right, the eight traitors... Andy Biggs of Arizona, Ken Buck of Colorado, Tim Burchett of Tennessee, Ed Crane, excuse me, Eli Crane of Arizona, Psycho Matt Gates, Bob Good, who did no good out of Virginia, Matt Rosendale of Montana, and my friend Nancy Mace. But again, Nancy told you she agreed with Matt Gates days ago, if you missed it. Here it was this whole government shutdown, right? First you had mm-hmm. Republicans versus Democrats, then you had Republicans versus Republicans. This yeah. guy Matt Gaetz is a psycho. You may like him, he's a psycho. He's got to get out. He's killing us. Uh, you know, you got to stop at some point. At but some Matt point, Matt is right
6: on this. I have to tell you, no, have they shut down. Nancy, I don't want a government shutdown, but we have a law in the books from 1974, the Budget Impact and Control Act, that says Congress is supposed to have a budget. Congress is supposed to have 12 spending bills. Every year, put out by October 1st, but Congress doesn't follow the law. So how can we ask our fellow Americans to follow the law when Congress will not follow its own laws? I just want us to follow the law. That's what he wants. This should have been done before October. It wasn't, but this is what Congress always does. No matter who's in charge, they have one giant spending bill, no vetting, no amendments, and Uh, You know, and you have no time to read it. If you had 12 spending bills, it's vetted through committee. You have amendments. You have time to read it and absorb it and make that vote. But that's not what Congress says. So four people, when you do it via CR, the four most powerful people get all the say. The people don't have the power. And that's the problem with it, no matter who's in charge.
8: There you have it. That's my friend Nancy Mace. She said that Monday in studio and voted against and voted for, I should say, ousting Kevin McCarthy On Tuesday.
1: Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC.
8: 77 WABC listeners, join us on October the 20th at 77 WABC and Ramsey Mazda Back the Blue. Special programming all day. To all police officers everywhere, we thank you for your honor and dedication. As you protect and serve, download the 77 WABC app and listen all day. That comes up October the 20th. And nobody loves the cops more than me, and the cops don't love anybody more than me. Well John and Margo and me the three of us. And I became very friendly with my next guest. He's the he's the head of the DEA, the Detective Endowments Agency. He's a super guy. I used to um I was staying in that uh, building in Battery Park all those months while they were fixing my house in Queens. And they were all these uh, you know, uh, ceremonies down there. That's where the the police memorial is and not too far from the 9-11 Memorial Museum, and I would see Paul Giacomo all the time. And, well, I just love him. And uh, he invited me and Danielle, which I'm very honored, to be at a huge event at one of my favorite places, not far from my home, Russo's on the Bay, in Howard Beach tonight, my buddy Frankie Russo. And he's here to talk about it. Here's Paul Giacomo. Paul, good morning, buddy. How are you?
9: Good morning, Shit. How are you? Thank you for everything. How are you doing today?
8: I'm doing great, and thank you
9: for everything. Thank you for protecting
8: us and all the great work that you do with all those fine detectives. So I have to be honest. I know that you invited me to this months ago, and I was honored and humbled and said yes right away, but I'm not even sure exactly what tonight is all about. So what exactly are we? Because there was another event, you know, not far from me in, in my neighborhood, and uh, Tom Sullivan, for example, my dear Brandy, He's run a couple of times. He's going to run again. Mike Sullivan's brother, he's going to speak tonight. Oh, Dov Heiken, Paul King. And I turn those guys down for this. So what exactly are we doing tonight?
9: Well, tonight is our annual awards dinner, and we'll be uh, recognizing 13 detectives and uh, one sergeant who were all catastrophically injured in the line of duty, and many of them oh, are confined to wheelchairs. Um, so uh, they're uh, forgotten heroes, and we're going to make sure that they're not forgotten tonight. Uh, and we, we truly are uh, honored to honor them at this magnificent event tonight. Oh, my
8: God. I, I guess uh, I guess you had told me that before. I didn't realize. Uh, you know, what a, it's ironic, too, that today happens to be Tunnel to Towers Wednesday, and we talk about mm-hmm. the catastrophic injuries to our veterans. You know, Paul, and mortgage-free homes and, uh, you know, sure. the easy homes they built with these guys. And I guess this is uh, kind of the same thing, you guys helping out one of your own,
7: right?
9: Absolutely. Uh, like I said, many of these detectives... Uh, were shot or uh, injured in a line of duty, and uh, they are confined to wheelchairs, and many others are catastrophically injured, and uh, they uh, will all be there tonight uh, to be honored by the DEA, and we look forward to uh, seeing them all because they are true heroes.
8: Oh, my God. Now I'm even happier I'm coming. Uh, thank you for giving me that information, Paul. Paul, how,
9: how many men do you oversee in
8: your group, if you to guess?
9: Right now we have 5,400 active detectives and about 13,000 retired members and their families. You know, I had the police commissioner
8: on, Eddie Caban, yesterday. We were celebrating Hispanic Heritage Day, and I've become friendly with Eddie. And, um, you know, people get mad at me. You know, I'm friends with the mayor, I'm friends with the mayor. I am friends with the i do not care. Um, look, at the end of the day, I'm rooting for him because I need this city to be safe. So, whether he's doing a good job now or not a good job, it doesn't matter. It's very early, obviously in his state, but they go, but, Sid, you don't get it. It doesn't matter. He's got no chance to be good. Look at Keyshawn Sewell. She was special. She was special, but Adams and Banks ruined her, and no matter what Caban wants to do, he will uh, fall prey, I should say, to the same
9: finish. Is that fair or unfair? How do
8: you feel about that?
9: Well, I I feel that, uh, you know, given the current laws that were enacted up in Albany and with this current city council, it's going to be very difficult to get a, a handle on crime. Uh, while these bail reform uh, laws are enacted and some of the other laws that uh, tie the hands of the police that have been enacted by the city council, it's going to be very, very difficult. And the district attorney is not prosecuting cases. It's difficult to get a handle on crime.
8: You know, Eddie will, of course, talk about morale. And good, it's good. Of course, he's going to say that. He's ahead the of these guys. You know, he's a commissioner. Mm-hmm. And Eric will say the same thing. But I hear from way too many cops. Anecdotal, I don't speak to every cop, but they like me. I see them on the streets, and they don't tell me morale is very good. You're, you're looking at 5,500 detectives in this city. You, you deal with these guys on a personal level every day. I'm not getting the feeling morale is all that good,
9: is it? Well, I no, I don't think so. And the reason being that, uh, you know, the physical and uh, verbal abuse uh, that these cops and detectives take on a regular basis out in the street uh, is, is just ridiculous. And uh, the, uh, the abuse that they're taking should not be tolerated. And it's just, no other profession has to put up with the verbal and physical abuse that the uh, members of the NYPD are putting up with now. And uh, not to mention, you'll also have a tremendous amount of oversight uh, looking to hurt you on a regular basis, one being CCRB, the Civilian Complaint Review Board. Uh, you know it's an inept organization. Uh, they don't know how to do proper investigations they uh, They bring charges against our members uh, for no good reason, and uh, not, none of them have walked in our shoes. So I think that's you know what's really uh, bringing down the morale in the NYPD right now because uh, a lot of our elected officials don't have our backs, and all they do is sit back and try and create laws to tie the hands of the police.
8: You know what's interesting, Paul, is that the summer of 2020, we saw all this, you know, front and center—the George Floyd riots, mm-hmm. which really, to this day, is hard to believe that, even though George Floyd was murdered—and and by the way, that Minnesota cop that went to jail for it, deservedly so. It's still yeah, hard absolutely. for me. It's still hard for me to understand how a guy like George Floyd who was a scumbag, nine arrests, put a gun in a pregnant woman's stomach. Hardly the guy you topple the country for. It's embarrassing. It's And I go back to those nights in all these cities. People want to talk about January 6th. January 6th pales in comparisons to any given night, any given night in Chicago, in Seattle, in New York, in Portland, in Atlanta, in Los Angeles. But I thought, Paul, I thought that was three years ago that things had gotten better. Well, from what you just told me, since the George Floyd summer, It doesn't sound like it's gotten a lot better.
9: Sounds almost the same. uh, Well, because many of our elected officials, they enacted laws to further tie the hands of the police. And, again, many of the district attorney's officers are not prosecuting crimes the way they should be. They raised their right hand. They took an oath to uphold the law, and they're not. And they continually let these uh, criminals out uh, to victimize the people more and more every day. And the police continually arrest these people, putting their life, in harm's way. And uh, just a, it just does not make any common sense.
8: All right. Most important question of what's been another great conversation, Paul. Are you ready? Yes, sir. Do I get a choice of chicken, fish, or steak? tonight? You get whatever <laughs> you want, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> no, because, you know, I saw you at um, Stevie Van Zandt, you know, the, the great uh, guitarist for Bruce Springsteen. And I had Bobby Bacala, Steve Schripp on earlier. Stevie, of course, played Silvio Dante. The yes. Casiglieri for Jimmy, and he's got that great police ball that uh, he puts on every year, and we had a great time uh, last year, me and Wonderful. Daniel. Then you were at that. Is this going to be similar to that? Music, food, that type of thing.
9: Absolutely, it's a similar event, and you know, I think you'll be very impressed and. uh I know that the uh, the people that are attending to tonight are very excited that you'll be there with your wife.
7: Oh, that's
8: that's really nice, actually. Thank you. I don't know if I deserve that, but but I'm, I'm more than proud to be there. I'm proud to be your friend, Paul DiGiacomo. You're a good man. You stand for what's right. I know your detectives love you. I love you, too, and I am very excited about being there tonight. So I'll see you later, buddy. Thank you so much.
9: Thank you, my friend. Have a great day.
8: You, too. Paul DiGiacomo, the head of the DEA Detectives Endowment Agency. We're going to come back and wrap things up on another great edition of Sitting Friends in the Morning.
3: Coming back.
8: Classic cars for you right here. Love this group. Great song, Louie. Great job, Louie. Great job all day today. You're you're a genius. Justin Eller, great job. Noam Layton. All of our guests. Terrific show. We'll do it again tomorrow. Tomorrow I'm going to be hosting for six hours, six to noon. So it's a long day for me. It's fine. You, you don't. Not smiling. Well, don't. You, you no,
7: know, I'm not. Okay. I'm, nope. right. no, no, no,
8: okay. God. It's going to be great. I mean, it'll be great, because I'm great, and you guys are great, and we'll, 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 we're always great, but <laughs> I'm not looking forward to it. So I'm always honest with the audience, and I run the risk of getting yelled at. I just don't care. So... Doesn't sound like you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, we're done. <laughs> yeah. As my buddy Gene said.